My name's John Walsh. Welcome to Robot Wars. Welcome to the Let's Fight a Boss video game podcast. The world's strongest video game podcast to my left, made entirely of metal and spikes with a secret magnet that only he knows about. It's the Crucifier. It's Brian. Stainless. And to my right... Also made entirely of metal, but also the next host of Saturday Night Live, it's Neve. Hello. Yeah, she's in um, Saturday Night Live mode tonight. Give us some of the material you have planned, Neve. Oh, man. Um, gonna... I'm a Wario. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, I love Wario. Never thought anybody could ruin Wario. I know. If you said Wario being on Saturday Night Live would be shit, you'd be like, that's impossible. Well, they fucked him up. Why? Okay. Why does Wario have an Italian accent? He's he's based on a German man. He has a German accent. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either, Brian. He's Bavarian. Like he's 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 from the mountains. <laughs> he's from the Alps. Why doesn't anyone know this? <laughs> yeah. What are they idiots? What are they like? People people know like letters and numbers. People are are people not supposed to know personal information about Wario? People know who fucking Bill Clinton is and yet they don't know who Wario is. That's some fucking horseshit. Yeah. Guys, thank you for joining us today. I think a uh, strong episode if I do say so myself. How how you guys doing? Great. Off to a good start. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just doing my best in may it's raining outside for some reason oh my god yeah the weather's been all over the place so cold mm-hmm. why is it so cold in may in ireland what's going on yeah i tried to have beers in the park recently and i nearly died it was real bad the sun is a lie you go outside and then it's hailstones yeah, yeah. it's it's confusing I tried to go for a walk today terrible terrible time guys i watched I want to eat your pancreas. Okay, but what did you watch, John? That's a weird thing to say. I see what you've done. And you've cornered me. Is it really called? It's really called, I want to eat your pancreas. Okay. Have either of you guys seen this or heard of it? I've heard of it, and I know it's not body horror related. It's not body horror at all. I've heard it's very sad. It sure is trying to be. Um, oh, I... Okay. I feel like there is a subgenre that has emerged this decade in feature-length anime movies, and it is boy and girl in high school, sad, with vaguely supernatural elements. This is one of those without any supernatural elements. And the film starts off, and it's like... And that was the day she died. And it basically starts on the day of this girl's funeral and goes backwards through time over like a year? I don't know, but um, it's basically the story of a girl with with a pancreas disease that's going to kill her and she knows she's going to die and a guy finds out that she's going to die and it's like their relationship over the course of a year. And I love sentimental bullshit. I really do. It'll fucking get me nearly every time. And 
there was like some 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 moments in this there's a bit where the two get like a hotel room and hang out for a night and i'm starting to notice that as like a trope in these movies but it's a trope i really like i think hotel rooms are really fun i think you can have terrific times in hotel rooms with your friends <sighs> but this movie this is a a boy's fantasy this entire movie it is like I can see myself seeing this as like a teenage dude and thinking this was a really cool movie because it's about this guy who's just the most fucking miserable piece of shit. You know when you think, <laughs> you, you know when you think, you know, you know like the character that people say Cloud and Squall is, even though they kind of are, but you know, they actually do have some stuff going on. He is that like, <laughs> what's the point? And he's that for the entire movie. And then this girl comes into his life who really is just like the magic pixie dream girl, except she's dying. Like, and I <laughs> immediately, I know I'm going to piss people off with this because I, I haven't looked up any reviews. I haven't looked up anything about this movie. I bet this is something that people are really, really invested in because it is very like sentimental. You know, like it's a very kind of sentimental story. And it's like her name is Sakura and his name is fucking some some winter tree that is also a name and it's like oh one is bursting and brimming full of life and enthusiasm the other is a miserable sack of shit yeah okay, <laughs> okay. yeah and um there, there are so many hollywood films like that as well like me earl and the dying girl like that is just uh like a remake of a remake of a remake and it just becomes yes. so derived this beautifully fragile female entity enters a young man's life. you know it's it's that kind of shit and like it looks competent. Like it, it's it's not as good looking as a lot of the best anime movies out, but like it's just it just became like and like the guy is such an asshole. He's such an irredeemable asshole, and she's always just like, Haha, "You're so much fun to hang out with," <laughs> and it's just like. Why? She's teaching him how to smile before she dies. Okay, but Brian, like you're you're joking, but like you're just describing the movie, you know? Yeah, like it's it's not anything more than that. See, at the funeral, he's gonna have a big fucking smile on his face. Oh, he doesn't go to the funeral. He can't bring himself to do it because I don't know, like <laughs> because her he's... death was enough to teach him empathy, but he couldn't even bring himself to go to the funeral. Okay, and like pay his ag respects. again, like you're both like trying to take the piss out of it, but you're just hitting it dead on. Like you're just saying what the film is. I hate when movies turn into that, and there's some like some movies that aren't that plot that eventually get there where it's like boy learns empathy through girl suffering. It's frustrating. Yeah, and like you know, there's this thing where like she is just a constant like anime girl. I guess tease with him. She does all the shit like you know that weird anime pose. Okay, everyone, I want you to put like your arms behind your back and then lean forward and then look up at the boy you like. <laughs> she does all these like non-existent poses that no actual human has ever done, but anime characters do. And it's just does does, does she have like a side ponytail on her hair or anything? No, she's, she does she, she has a very normal haircut. Then what's the point? I don't know, Brian. I don't know what the point is. She has to have a cool silhouette with her hairstyle. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not real anime. There's like a real uncomfortable moment as well where he like crawls on top of her and pins her down and she starts crying. And it was just like, why is this in the movie? Like, it feels so weirdly out of place. And like, then she's really upset and it's really fucked up for a second. And then they go back to just everything's fine. And that's 
kind of it. I bet people love this movie. Like, I, I just, I know, I, I get the feeling that this is the kind of thing that people really like. But for me, it was just this kind of really self-serving movie. And I bet, like, the, the dude who wrote this... You know, he 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 had he was very sad as a teenager, and this is his way of dealing with it. But it, I just, it was not a good movie. And then like it takes a really weird twist towards the end, that just feels kind of shocking and cruel, kind of for the sake of it. And then that like cruelty and shocking, it it's it's like a way for the boy to springboard into becoming a better person. You've seen this movie, you you know what it is, and um, I was not bored, but I felt like the entire movie was me going, okay, okay, hmm, oh no, like it just, and it was, it was a tough one to soak up. Mm. I guess with the success of stuff like Your Name or A Silent Voice and just kind of that kind of stuff eventually we're going to hit peak mass where they're going to start condensing all those movies down to the most and trying to get another blockbuster yeah yeah Yeah. um yeah like that that is such a hollywood thing of just recreating like bullet points and beats from other movies yeah and just tweaking things ever so but it's you're losing all the charm yeah Yeah, and this this like was that like this was like okay i'm gonna take like this format from these other movies and just make that again and you know one argument to be made is i think like there is much better versions of this movie that exist and then another is i just think i just don't think i just for me like for me through any lens this just it was not a worthwhile movie and it's just just weirdly self-serving like there's there's stuff like you know they try and portray her as this like really bright and cheerful person but there's also these like lingering shots of her like her thighs and stuff like that and it's kind of like hey look you want to watch you want to show me some anime trash i'm fucking there for it i'll 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 any fucking weird etchy bullshit i'll probably watch an episode of it just to be like okay oh he will yeah yeah no totally but I don't like it when we take that stuff. And, like, it's not etchy. It's not that bad. But I guess, like, it just has those little moments hidden in there. And to me, it just makes me feel like, what are you trying to achieve here? Like, The terminal you... teenage girl is sexy. That's what they're going for. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, like I presume it's, like, some kind of pancreatic cancer she has or something. They never say it. They're just, like, there's okay. something wrong with my pancreas. And it's being, well, it's being eaten away. So it is, But as you long know, as she's oh, hot. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. See, she read that a way they used to treat people is that they would feed you a healthy pancreas in olden times to help with your sick pancreas. And so she says to the boy at one point, I want to eat your pancreas. But the boy notices how happy and good she is and how great a person she is and later decides he wants to eat her pancreas. So they want to go out on a date? <laughs> I I don't know. They never get like proper romantic either. It's always just kind of on the edges. Lovely. Yeah. Um, send your hate mail to askletsfightaboss at gmail.com. Um, if you want, if, if someone would like to like type me up like an essay on why this is a fantastic movie, you can absolutely do that. I'm never going to read it. Like in a million fucking years, I would never ever read that. But, you know, it might help. It it might help. Brian, what have you? Please save me. 
Um, I think if you're over the age of 25 and you like this movie, <laughs> no, no, you can't say that. Uh, like, but you know, like, I'm like I. Really... We are picturing a person in our minds who likes this film because when you when you pitch that, I I pictured someone in my mind, and obviously they're a generation younger than us because they haven't seen the derivatives of what we are talking about. Maybe, but like I'm sure someone likes this movie. I don't want to shit on them cuz like it's not it's not nice to shit on people for like when I called people dumb babies for liking Yakuza 7, that was uncalled for. That was out of line, but um I don't like this movie. Uh but Fair. but you uh, do like Yakuza 7 and you're you're going to beat it. Never. <laughs> Never ever ever. Okay, well, when we get to the news section, we got some good news for I'm you. I'm just time. glad that Yakuza <laughs> 7 is now in the rearview mirror of this podcast, and we never have to talk about it again. It'll never come up in any sort of form. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nia, do you want to talk about the next thing? Yeah, I'm going to stick with anime. Yeah. For this, um, I watched the first four episodes of To Your Eternity, which oh, is yes, yes. by the same mangaka who did A Silent Voice, and... It is the start of my body horror episode that this kind of is. And it starts with an orb from space falling to Earth. And it is an alien being that takes the form of anything that leaves a mark on it. It lands next to a rock and it takes the form of a rock because it's the first, you know, living Earth thing. It is living. Yeah, a piece of Earth matter. (laughs) Yeah, it's the like... It's the first thing it comes in contact with. Then it takes the form of a wolf that dies next to it. And the wolf's struggle, you know, met an oppression on it. And the orb just becomes the wolf. And there's this kind of imprinting into the wolf's mind that he needs to go back to a place. So the orb, as the wolf, makes its way to a cabin with a little boy inside. And the little boy is all alone and no one's around, but he's become super self-sufficient. He knows how to fish. He's rationed his wood to stay warm. He is surviving in that hut, but he is just surviving and he is surviving all on his own. So he welcomes the wolf back that is now this alien wolf and he feeds him. And the wolf is kind of acting weird because he hasn't, he has to relearn how to eat because it's not the wolf, it's an alien. But the little boy is like, Okay, me and you, Wolf, we're going to go and find the rest of my tribe. They all set out out without me and left me here with the elders to take care of them. But all the elders are dead now. So I'm going to just go find people and have a life with my family. So him and the Wolf pack up all the stuff. They've brought as much food as they can carry. They're trying to stay warm and they trudge off through the tundra to try and survive. And that little boy, our main character dies oh no and then the magic orb becomes the boy oh that's kind of cool i don't maybe we should cut this out or put some spoilers in somewhere i don't know that's the first episode but it's this episode this kind of thing where it sets up what you think this anime might be and then after that episode it's something completely different okay because the wolf, now as the boy, feels this urge to continue forward out of the tundra until he goes and he finally meets some new people. But the wolf, as a boy alien, has never been a human, so he doesn't know how to eat. He doesn't know what dangers are. And he keeps dying over and over, but is immortal because of the orb. 
So there's great shots of. I mean, this sounds super fun, like in a yeah. kind of grim way, but fun. It's, it's yeah, like it's, 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 the it's both, got some good rules. It's like it's got some great rules, and it, it crosses this like it it kind of like balances this line of being kind of grotesque. Like there's a lot of body horror stuff. Like this boy is a little boy who really wanted to live and dies, and gets like mutilated in multiple ways, and you watch his body reform and reshape and take back the human form through this orb. Um, but it also is really empathetic and is really about people. And there, you meet a lot more characters and it's about learning to be a person, I guess, through this, through the eyes of an outsider alien being um, who is kind of relying sometimes on the kindness on people of people, but also just on his sheer immortality to survive the cruelness of people as well. Um, it's really interesting. As I said, it's only four episodes of it, but it's so good and so interesting and compelling that I, I might read the manga. Like, I'm kind of driven by it. It's the same... It's wrote by the same person who did um, the one... Silent Voice. And it's drawn by them as well, I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah. They're they're good artists. They they do some real cute visual stuff sometimes. I remember there's like one panel in the Silent Voice manga where the deaf girl is trying to sing and everyone around her, like everyone around her is like just you know it's just musical notes and then you turn the page and it's like a big white space around her and this shitty broken little musical note comes out of her and it was such a good indicate visual indication of like oh she can't sing because like she's never heard singing and yeah they they're they're fun to read yeah poor girl i really like a sound voice i love it so much um if you don't like it you should fucking watch your pancreas i didn't say this earlier if I could genetically design a film that would piss Neve off, it would, be, it would be that one. It's not that I didn't, like, I didn't hate Asylum Voice. I just kind of, I found it really interesting. You don't hear about disabilities in Japan much. And mm, I just kind of no. thought it was sad that, like, the story of this deaf girl is kind of tr- told through the story of someone else kind of thing. I can see that. Totally. Um, but I just, like, uh, just reading about this, the author said that, like, A Silent Voice was kind of about the past, like, people's past informing the future kind of thing, and about how To Your Eternity is just kind of about the future, mm. and just, I think it's cool how you're meeting different characters that are leaving kind of imprints on this orb who's open to be imprinted on kind of thing. How much does it lean into, because if they're in the tundra, and I've seen some stills of it, how much does it lean into kind of survival hunter gathering kind of genre? Uh not really. Literally after the first episode they move into a lush jungle um oh, okay. area Weird. where it deals with a village that is going to sacrifice a child to a god, but the child that's becomes That's crazy. Everything friends. I've seen of it has been tundra stuff. Yeah, that's that's literally the first yeah, episode. I really thought it was like a hunting manga. No. No. Okay. So not really. That doesn't come into it a lot. It's more about like kind of people. There's a. It's becoming like very like uh, like anti-colonialist as well where we're at because there's like this small village and this other kind of village who's kind of imposing onto it in different ways in like really subtle ways that you kind of watch through the character acting and just like little things where like they they eat with their hands and the other people eat with chopsticks and kind of degrading them for how they're eating kind of stuff is it earth or is it like it's it's earth yeah okay. it's like a f- fantasy earth but um it has like it's doing a lot for Sounds four like episodes it. in yeah. but it's also not like throwing so much at you that you're kind of like okay what's happening like it's very like moment to moment there's a plot and there's it, there's good action in it there's a a lot of shit these characters have to deal with 
you know there's a character who looks like she stepped out of monster hunter rise cool yeah i'm i'm really enjoying it it sounds great um i haven't had a chance to, well i have had a chance i just watched other trashier shit instead because that's just who i am right now brian yes why don't you tell us about big big is a 1988 film starring tom hanks yeah it is why why did you watch big um okay so i've watched a bunch of stuff and i have no opinion on them on it but i got <laughs> this some, is no different uh and i no, but i've got some strong thoughts on big okay okay Okay, so Big is a film that was always on Irish television as a child. I think all of us have seen Big at some point in our lives. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And like, it's 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 a it's a really good film when you watch it as a kid. And Tom Hanks is fantastic in it. I really like the actor Tom Hanks. He's great. His son Chet Hanks, not so much. What the fuck's going on with that guy? Why not, Brian? Because he says shit like "White Boy Summer," and I prefer "Polite Boy Summer" because that's that's better. And also Chet Hanks has an Illuminati symbol tattooed on his chest. And that's not helping with the whole Hollywood elite. <laughs> Tom Hanks is in the Illuminati. Because it's like, that's just like... If there was one person I could be like, they are absolutely not in the Illuminati. It's Chet Hanks. Yeah. But see, see Tom Hanks was in the, in, in, in the Da Vinci Code and all those other movies. And when you're in a movie, it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like actors are aren't real like the characters they play are the real so anyway tom hanks actually grew into an adult man for the role of big (laughs) okay are you serious okay so i watched big because i was like oh yeah big and it was on disney plus so i i I put it on i watched it and it's 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 still a great film um there's stuff in it where you're like okay you know the way when people watch movies now they question logic Mm-hmm. But this is a movie where it's like, doesn't matter because the theme of the story is this and you're just going to have to leave that part of the film unanswered. Mm. And there's several moments of that because it, for anyone who hasn't seen Big, which maybe people haven't seen Big at this point, who knows? Oh, maybe uh, there, there, is a sl- there is a decent slice of our yeah. audience that are not older than 20 <laughs> that, that have not heard of Big. 33 years old, Brian. I know. It's it's a number that we are familiar with. Anyway, uh, look, it was an important movie as a kid. You watched it, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, it's about a thirteen-year-old boy, and he's really short, and he lives in New Jersey, and he's at the fun fair, and he sees this. Uh, uh, I, I I guess it's an automaton in a box called Magic Zoltar, and. It's not plugged in, but it's the lights are on and he makes a wish to be big because earlier on in the movie, he couldn't ride on the Ferris wheel or, or on the roller coaster. To be big. Yeah. He, he actually says, oh, okay. he actually says, I wish to be big. And then the next day he wakes up and he's Tom Hanks and him, him and his best friend and his best friend is fucking brilliant in this movie. Who's also in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, his, his best friend doesn't know what to do. Him and his best friend don't know what to do. So they were like, well, you got to get out of town. So they, he goes to New York City and sort of fails upwards and gets a job in a toy company and becomes like um, like a really good prototype designer because he's got the mind of a child and he understands what a toy is to be playful with. <laughs> That's and, great. And then all of 80s New York, like all the like New York business shark men are like, how could he do this? How does he know how to get ahead in the company? And it's, it's this is a little boy in Tom Hanks' body. Anyway. Anyway, Tom Hanks plays a 13-year-old boy so convincingly well 
I was like, how the fuck did he do this? All right, and also it turns out he got nominated for an Oscar for playing like this role. Seriously? Yeah. yeah. Wow. And there's there's a bit earlier on in the film where like him and his friend they have to put him in a cheap hotel but they put him in like the creepiest 1980s new york hotel ever you know like real sketchy hotel where like there isn't a bathroom in your room it's one of those like communal bathrooms on the floor and you can hear like arguing outside in the lobby and tom hanks like moves the dresser up against his door and like hunches into his bed and like looks terrified but he, he convincingly plays a child i was like how did how did like how the fuck did he play a child so well? And like, apparently the way they made this movie was that they have uh, a boy playing young Tom, young Tom Hanks in this movie at the start and end of the film. Yeah. And what they did was they would act out the scene with the boy and then Tom Hanks would study it. That's and cool. then he would do what he did. That's cool. But like becomes less impressive than Vince Vaughn's uh, teenager skit. <laughs> Because, like, I mean, you're just copying a kid at that stage. That's acting, move. Vince Vaughn embodied it without without an aid. Can you say that for certain? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't. And, yeah, and as this film goes on, he kind of gets into the corporate world and stops behaving like a child and actually starts behaving like an adult. And then there's a bit in the towards the end of the film where he kind of realizes that he has this successful career but he skipped his childhood to get there and he's realized that he misses being a kid and then he has to wish himself back to being a kid and so it's it has this really interesting kind of storybook narrative with like a really simple theme that follows through to the end Mm. and i'm watching this on disney and i'm like what's the story behind this film and the trivia for this film is fucking insane Okay, so I'm excited. Uh, it's directed by a woman called Penny Marshall, um, and she ended up directing a movie called Riding in Cars with Boys, starring Drew Barrymore. Oh, okay. Which is one of those films that they showed in Ireland as well yeah. in school, because I guess it's a teen pregnancy movie, and they would always show those kind of movies in school. Um, Tom Hanks was not the first choice for this film, not even the second choice or third choice. They wanted, like, Robert De Niro or Jeff Bridges or John Travolta, because they were all actors in the 80s. Like, Tom Hanks was a TV actor. Wow, that's a different movie. Yeah. But, like, like to me, Tom Hanks is in this movie. But, like, before this, he wasn't really a movie actor. He was a, he, he, he was a sitcom actor in the mid-80s that made the transition to movies via this film and a couple of others. But mainly this was the film that kind of got him a lot of attention. And I, I know during the 90s then he was, you know, A-list actor. But the version I watched on Disney didn't feel like the version I watched as a kid and it turns out it's because it isn't this film has an extended edition that fills in bits of lore and answers some questions that aren't in the original movie really so in this version of big um I guess one of the main things is Tom Hanks is you know a a 13 year old boy and he leaves home and becomes an adult and he's adult Tom Hanks for several weeks in this film what happens to the boy and his family and the only allusion to this in the original film is that there's a bit where they show his original boy form as a missing picture on a milk carton and that was a big thing in the 80s about children going missing and having their faces printed on milk cartons but in this extended edition there's scenes with his family and there's bits where he talks to his mother on the phone saying that he is a nice kidnapper and that his son is okay and he'll be home soon 
And it's <laughs> okay. F- maybe that doesn't play quite as well nowadays. No, and it's the weirdest shit because you're like, okay, you're answering questions, but maybe it's better to leave that unanswered. And so it's kind of addressing some of the leaps in logic you have to make to kind of just go with this film. But in doing so, it kind of damages it. Yeah, it makes it really dark. It's like the yeah. lovely bones all of a sudden. Yeah, it, it and yeah, and so there's dark moments in this movie, and so like there's bits where like. He's a 13-year-old boy, and there's a bit where, like, because he has a love interest when he's uh, an adult, as Tom Hanks. Yeah. And there's bits in this movie where you think it's going to go somewhere, and he invites her back to his apartment, but he has a bunk bed, and he gets in the top bunk, and she gets in the bottom bunk. But then there's other stuff where you're like, hang on, I don't know about this. But, like, it's just a really strange film where... Did, did you guys ever see the movie Blank Check? Yes. Yeah. I, I also watched Blank Check. Recently? It's on Disney+. Plus. Oh, that service. Yeah. Um, a lot of Brian films. Did they leave the bit in where the woman makes out with the kid? I think so, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that, that's a movie about a kid who gets given a blank check by, like, an evil billionaire who doesn't know that it's a blank check and he writes, like, one million dollars and then hijinks ensue and then there's a, a sexy female police officer investigating the yes, billionaire. And, um... The two, the kid and the police officer, like, form a relationship. And then right at the end, she's like, give me a call in 10 years. And then they make out. <laughs> What's wrong, Neve? You know. <laughs> you know. Anyway, yeah. Kids from kids films from our childhood have either aged really badly or fine. And this is one of those movies where, like, depending on which version of Big you watch, it's aged really badly or it's, like, fine and, you know, you, you don't have to think about it. But I just think that, like, because, you know, what's, what's what's that YouTube channel, Cinema Sins, where they just ask stupid questions that don't matter in a film? Yeah. It just feels like this film shot scenes and they filled in those blanks to satisfy questions that don't need to be answered. That's that's something that shocks me a lot when you go into, like, especially, like, really big Hollywood movies. It's like, yeah, we had, like, two-thirds of the film shot, still kind of writing the ending, and we kind of just went with it. And it's like, wow. That's fucking insane. Okay, Brian, there's Big. There's also another movie about, I think it's Robin Williams. Oh, that's Jack. Jack. Jack is directed by Francis Ford Coppola, who directed the Godfather trilogy. And it stars Robin Williams as a boy who's rapidly aging, but he doesn't have progeria. He has a made-up disease where he doesn't... He just turns into... It's a 10-year-old boy that turned into Robin Williams. And um, <laughs> is, it, is the premise very similar, except medical instead of magical? No, it's completely different. Okay. No, because cause in that, like, he wants to be taken seriously as a boy, but he's not because he's Robin Williams. Right. And, and there is a bit where Robin Williams farts into a bucket. And as a kid, I thought that was brilliant. And as an adult, still fucking amazing. And so I'm glad that's in the film. There's some... I can't remember what it was, but something about that movie made me cry, like, really badly. Like, oh, a yeah. lot. There's a bit where he gets in a bar fight in a back alley and it's with an adult man and the adult man doesn't realize he's a little boy that he's fighting. And so Robin Williams takes a punch, but he immediately starts crying and he's like, why are you crying? You look like a kid. And he's like, because I am a kid. And it's just really upsetting. I beat the shit out of a little kid once. Did it feel good? It felt fucking incredible. Did I tell you guys this story? Surely I've told the story on this podcast. I don't think so. Is this the birthday party one? No, the, that was a different tag? time. We were both little kids at that time. So out of all the times we have jokingly spoken about beating the crap out of kids, you were harboring this story where you did it. So oh, this, yeah. And like, I, I want to be clear. I kicked his fucking ass. So in like, this story, are you a legally registered man? 
you came with. <laughs> just just an interesting choice of words. Um, I don't know if I was of age, if I was a teenager, but I like had a good ten years on this little ship. <laughs> but yeah, no, this was this was back in Taekwondo. And I was waiting for the adult class to start or like the senior class to start. And there was like, you know, a kid's class happening. And I was just sitting there and we used to do it in the scouts hall. I think there had been like a Halloween party um, the previous night or something. He was dressed as a werewolf. (laughs) And this little kid, like he wasn't, he was kind of just messing during training, which I don't care about. But then at one point he picks up some fairy wings and he comes over to me and he just goes, you dropped these. And all his friends laughed. (laughs) He got you good. (laughs) He got me good. And I was like, yeah, very good. And so then I'm kind of sitting there, and uh, Master Douglas, the guy who used to teach me this stuff. Shout, shout like, out to Master Douglas. Shout outs to Master Douglas. Hard man, but a good man. Um, <laughs> he, oh, Brian, he was, like this, he was like this five foot six little Irish old man who would literally kick your ribs out through the back of your head. Um, but okay. he, um, the, he, lines every, he lines all the kids up for sparring, but there's an uneven number. And um, so this, he's like, oh, John, would you mind stepping in with um, Aiden there for a second? And I look over and it's the fucking kid. And I was like, no problem, sir. And so I line up with this kid and I beat the fucking shit out of him. And I like to think I improved him in that moment. But yeah, I really wailed on him. And like, I would never beat up a kid except in this one instance and it felt amazing it's like every time you see a little shit out on the street every time you see a little fucker throwing a tantrum at a birthday party and you just want to whoop them so bad i got to do it and it was genuinely some of the best fun i've ever had in my life would totally recommend it to anyone cool yeah 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 um there was one other thing i want to talk about but i don't want to say the name of this movie because i don't want people searching it okay a few years ago because I'm, I'm watching Big with Rebecca and I'm like, this kind of rem- reminds me of a film that I made with a couple of friends, including John and my younger brother, Morgan. But it was the reverse of Big. Oh, that was really fun. I bet there's something in that that hasn't aged well. Probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in which um, I wish upon an apple to be younger and then we switch me out with my younger brother. <laughs> who, was, who was like 12 that, that at the time. won an award, didn't it? Yeah, it won an award at a Dublin <laughs> film festival. And so we switch out my brother and he's wearing the same clothes as me with like my hoodie and t-shirt and baseball cap. And he goes, forever a child. And then there's just like a <laughs> montage. I, I, I played a bully in that movie. Yeah, and your cousin Brian as well. <laughs> and there was a bit. If you want to pound off. Yeah. You want to get pounded by me? In the ass? By me? And then my brother Morgan's like, hey, if you want to pound one out, you should pound it out on me. And and you're like, oh no. Like, no. I think I back away slowly, but then we lower the opacity on my footage, so I just fade away. <laughs> yeah, you fade away into nothing. Oh, good time. That was so much fun to do. Yeah, and, and there was a bit where it was like, so, what's it like being a kid? And he's like, I don't know, I'm really nervous around girls, and there's sugar everywhere. And and then the other guy was like, I asked what's different. <laughs> hi um, So movies yeah, are movies. just a beautiful medium. Yeah, just a really incredible way forward. You don't need to watch this one. We've described the most interesting parts of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My brother is now taller than me, and that's... Yeah. Something I'm still accepting, but at one I, point he was smaller. At than some me. point in the last year, Brian, you showed me a picture of your brother, and I was like really disappointed because I was like, I, I, I just thought he'd be a kid again, but no, he's a man grown now. Yeah, unfortunately, people age, John. Yeah, I know. I always get bummed out by that. 
I think we're going to have to cut all of this. No, it's fine. <laughs> Look, if you want to watch Big, a good reason to watch it is to see baby Tom Hanks. Yeah. Because okay. that looks crazy now. Tom Hanks is, uh, I think he's 32 in this movie. Because he's in his mid-60s now. But like he is so, he's got a baby face. He's got his curly hair. He, he looks so funny on the front of the, on, on the poster of this film. He just looks real awkward because movie posters were, real, were just like, you just take the first photo and you're like, there you go. Okay, we got to get the movie out. Here's a weird question. Is there any celebrity that you kind of like keep track of what they look like? And it's a kind of good way to gauge what period of your life you're in. I mean, all of the actors. Really? They're still going, John. <laughs> they're still but in like, movies. I don't, I don't know what Bruce Willis looks like now. Oh. And I old. couldn't really tell you I'm, yeah, I'm not sure what if he looked like like 10 years ago. I'm not sure if... Well, he, he's looked the same for the last few diehards. Because I've been very interested in Vince McMahon's aging process. He looked old 20 years ago. Oh, you should see him. Like, I, I, I will message Brian Vince McMahon updates every couple of months. I'm pretty sure when he's not doing wrestling, they put him in horizontally into a hot dog carousel and they just roll him for a couple hours. Yeah. Get him all shiny. He... He looks... Like, do you remember the last time I gave you an update, Brian? I was like, I don't think Vince is doing so good. Uh, he looks younger now. But that's because they probably painted him. I'm not going to say, like... <laughs> painted I'm not going to say better. They airbrush him every morning. <laughs> you could paint a man. You can paint a man. Neve, tell us about the color out of space. Oh, I was Googling 2021 Vince McMahon, but okay. Okay, um, hang on. I will... You you, you do your thing. I'll, I'll get you the photo. Well, how about we tweet out a photo on our on our Twitter... Yeah. No caption, just put it out there. Yeah. <laughs> no, looking good. <laughs> um, okay, Color Out of Space is a 2019 adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft's 1927 story, The Color Out of Space. And it stars Nick Cage. And um, I like this movie quite a lot. It is directed by Richard Stanley, who famously was fired after one week of shooting the island of Dr. Moreau. Yes. <laughs> I've actually got a Richard Stanley story, but I'll, I'll tell it later. Okay. Which was a production so awful, it spawned its own 2004 documentary about how awful that uh, production was. So this is his first time back making a movie. Oh, he doesn't look... No, he doesn't look bad. He looks like a Tim I and think, Eric sketch. I think you need to see it in motion, but... Yeah. Like, he, he, he looks like an old Muppet. There's there's a point where his face started becoming, like... Perhaps... It's like... It, it, it's like... Are you ever playing a video game and you're, like, specking in one direction and at some point you kind of, like... You, you get that option where you get all your experience points back and you spec in a different direction? His face did that. Sorry, Neve. Please continue. Richard Stanley. Um, so this is Richard Stanley's um, first time ba- back directing a feature after... He's not made a movie since the early 90s. Yeah, after The Island of Dr. Monroe. And I don't know. This was this is kind of a feast for all the senses. And it is absolute body horror central. It's about a family that is kind of living in rural England, I think it's meant to be. But it's shot in Portugal. And the Gardner family have a small farm of alpacas and there is a daughter, mom, dad, daughter and two sons. And they are kind of living small, small rural life until one day a meteor from space lands in their back garden and they go out, they have a look at it. 
It gets zapped by lightning the next day and it disappears. It releases an alien organism into the earth that slowly starts changing their bodies and their minds. So this, like everything in Lovecraft is kind of outside of human comprehension and how the color of space does it is the alien is color and it's this hyper vibrant pink that just goes everywhere. And the goal of this alien is to make everything into one. It's like instrumentality. It wants to merge everything into a form it understands. So if you think Evangelion instrumentality was like a goo, imagine human flesh, human bodies, and anything else alive, like these alpacas on the alpaca farms, physically merging together in a painful and disgusting way that harnesses the power of animatronics, VFX, and a whole pile of goo. It is so viscerally, viscerally gross. Like there is a bit with two humans who get merged and they are not happy. They're in a lot of physical pain and it shows a lot of it. I think this is my favorite Nick Cage performance ever. Like I sometimes don't really get why people love him so much until like I watch a certain movie and I see what a great actor he is. Dude's got an energy about him. There Face was, Off and Vampire's Kiss are both really good. There's such a, like, a lot of them are kind of like mid-tier energy. Yeah. I think this is a great movie, but the, with this, the character he's playing is the dad and he's a little frustrated because he's trying to get his family to enjoy rural life. It's his old dad's farm kind of there and his daughter wants to leave and she's kind of a Wiccan and he kind of thinks she's a bit weird and his son is smoking pot all day and the other little kid is just really young and his wife has just dealt with um, like cancer. So things have been stressful for him and he like, like he's just equally sympathetic and under uh, understandable and relatable but with this real like quiet razor sharp violence underneath like this undercurrent that he only lets out in little glimpses where you're just like this character is fucking scary if he wanted to just go like let go kind of thing and it's just watching him act that out is so so interesting and so good so this alien being that's letting color and light around starts affecting the environment and like red flowers start popping up and this Mr. Gardener is growing tomatoes but he eats them and they taste like ash and suddenly they start to feel a little sick and things just go off the wall. Things go insane. You can't really describe it because it's Lovecraft and Craft and this is an adaptation that is as close to what the story is. Yeah, that's my question because I actually recently read this and um, it's 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 a fucking cool short story like it's great it's the kind of thing where like not a lot happens in it and so i'm wondering how they but even the stuff you've said about the characters is way more than the short story gives you yeah i know this short story is like kind of first person account of the events where it's, it's like i think it's the neighbor of the family's yeah. account of events and like his trips back and forth to the house as things get worse and worse. And, and the, it's it's terrifying. Like, it's great. There is a character that kind of fulfills that role. There's a character who's kind of checking out the local area and the water uh, quality in it. And he's telling them, okay, the water's contaminated. Don't drink it. So he's kind of dropping in and out and seeing things get worse kind mm. of thing. So there is that proxy character But there. he's like... He's not the narrator. No. Interesting. It's kind of interesting that they kept him. It's kind of interesting that, like, 
I don't think that story is as horrifying in book form without that character. But then, like, when you have the film and you have the ability to actually see it, then he kind of becomes unnecessary. That's kind of, that's kind of interesting. Sorry, go on. Just super in a monster mood after we've all played Resident Evil Village and this was a real, like, cherry on the gross cake, you know? Like, there, it's, like it's super gross, but yeah. I also had a really great ta- time. The soundtrack is amazing and really kind of, like, oppressive and interesting. It's done by Colin Stetson, who did Hereditary and Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, yeah, just practical effects and goo everywhere. You got a good freak out. What's the really sad song that plays in Red Dead Redemption 2? I don't know, there's many. You know the one that plays right at the end when you're on your horse? Yeah. And you get in all your flashbacks and stuff? I don't know the name of it. Can I? It, it's kind of like... Could you sing it? Yep, sure. When <clears throat> It's kind of like that. Sounds like a sad cowboy song. You're gonna have to hang up that saddle. And that hat. And And that hat. And them spurs. You're just gonna have to walk into the great beyond. Trotting. Where you're going, no horse can take you. (laughs) You've yeed your last haul. Come on, Niamh. There's gold in them mountains. What do you want from me? Do cowboy some, line. Do some sad cowboy stuff. Sad cowboy stuff. I don't know. I'm, I'm in like body, cosmic body horror mo- mode. Not anymore, you know. You can't just bring me back okay, to okay, the West. Okay, okay. Hang on, hang on. A cowboy is riding through the fields and boom, he's just run into a big patch of purple goo that's taken him over. What does he say? Oh no, I'm goo. <laughs> well, tarnation. I got goo on me. <laughs> Well, Trigger, looks like we're in trouble. Trigger, no! Uh, Richard Stanley is an interesting man. A very European person. He's South African. Yes. Uh, he's lived in France, Portugal, and Ireland. His his parents, I think, his, I think it's only his mother now, uh, lives in the west of Ireland. I think his mother's a crusty. He seems like a crusty. Yes, um, and if you look at Richard Stanley, because like he's he's a fascinating guy in that in the in the Island of Doctor Moreau documentary, and I've not seen this film, and I'm I'm very happy for him finally being able to to make another film because I, I thought he 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 was just one of those directors that would never get to make anything again, and um, he's an unusual fellow. He 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 speaks in a way that is a blend of multiple accents, and he wears a big black hat and wears. He kind of dresses like a Resident Evil character a bit, actually. Yeah, he kind of does. Yeah, he said he's South African. He's South African. There's a certain like dialect in South Africa that sounds weirdly European. Afrikaans. I used to, I used yeah. to work uh, work with a guy, and I could never get it around my head that he was South African because he sounded so European. It was yeah. weird. But uh, he's lived in France for the last couple of years, and then he lived in Ireland. But sometimes he's in Dublin, and uh, a friend of mine at work uh, said that one time he was at one of the. Uh, film festivals that was doing a midnight screening and it was like a horror movie and it was one of those movies where you weren't told what movie was going to be but you had to show up at the right time and 
it was all allocated seating. It was all, and but like apparently the tickets were free. It was just like a ticketed system. That's super fun. So they sat down and they were really hyped to see the movie. Doesn't matter what the movie was, because five minutes into the movie, a man shows up late and sits down in his seat, and it's Richard Stanley. And he won't take off his hat, and the usher is like, um, just, just take your seat real quick, and uh, make sure your phone's off. And he goes, do I look like I use a cellular phone? And they were like, this is gonna, like... Honestly, they couldn't remember what film they saw because Richard Stanley was the best part about it. I can imagine him saying that because I watched a making of The Color of Space and he was kind of like, oh, I guess I have to use VFX if that's the future of movies and I'm going to make them. The idea that someone nowadays would be like, VFX are the future of movies is like... <laughs> <laughs> like, like he's just seen Jurassic Park, yeah. <laughs> the 1993 film. <laughs> He's a very interesting guy. Uh, I, I I need to see this movie. Oh my god! Yeah, no, I, I just put it on. It's my really list good. There. Yeah. Um, I really liked it, and it's one of those ones that after I've watched it, I've thought about it more and more. It's affecting, and it's so gross. There's such a Resident Evil monster in this. Mm. E- even the short story stays with you, like like you know, Lovecraft. Some of his short stories are really good. Some of them. Kind of shitty. This one's really fucking good. Uh, Seems like this is going to be part of a trilogy of movies that he's going to be directing around Lovecraft. Oh, really? Yeah, he's done doing Dunwich Horror next. I haven't read that one. But uh, yeah, trilogy. Do we know what the other movie is? No, they haven't said. I wonder will he do Insmith? Because I don't think there's ever been like a real proper adaptation of that. No, just elements of it yeah mm-hmm. pretty other. much like uh, old hunters is like the <laughs> yeah, closest Bloodborne, thing you get yeah, bloodborne dlc and i need to go back and yes that. you do because the next section is is a really fun weird it's so hard bro. it's not it's it's just, it's easy you brian about? you're a fucking bloodborne psychopath like you have broken that game down to the point that it's not a game anymore it's just this weird step of tests as a set of steps you take yeah it is really impressive look i know what to do Brian, Neve, you should let Brian lead you through Old Hunters sometime. I would love to meet Maria. Very nice woman. Could the three of us do it? Would that be possible? Uh, I think it is. If we all have LAN cables and we try really hard. Yeah. Let's see, why not? That could be fun. Strategy talk. Yeah, this... we, we actually just talked about a video game, so we could talk about more video games now in the video game podcast. That is true. What are we at? 40, 50 minutes? Uh, your internal clock is very good, John. It's been 50 minutes exactly. Mm-hmm. Your body constantly interests me. What's wrong, Dave? I just wait for the day when it bores you. Oh, I don't. I don't know what's going to happen when that happens. Because I'm going to have to do something to John to make it interesting again. Wow, that is a that is a disturbing sentiment. That there was something about that just dropped right down inside me. John walked in earlier on, and he had just shaved. I was very excited. Uh, touched his face. Probably shouldn't have. God, did he really touch your face? He did. And you know what bothered me about it? I wasn't bothered because that's just how. Our relationship has progressed over the course of 15 years. I think I made like an oh yeah grunt as well. You, you did, know? and I wasn't even surprised. Like, I wasn't... I make it my mission not to, like, touch either of you ever. <laughs> so, it's really weird. I, 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 I've, I've touched John in lots of intimate places. You don't and try voice. and touch me intimately. You just don't want to go to jail, Neve. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you kicked my ass. 
What's what's John gonna do? I know. I just feel left out. Neve, when you, we can we can cut this if you want. When you've had a few drinks, you get a little touchy feely. Do I? Yep. Neve, you, you, put, you, you put your hand on my leg a couple of times. You you've ruffled my hair a bunch when you were drunk. I just love you guys a lot. One time I felt a pat on my bum, looked around, it was a smile on your face. Really? I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't think so, Neve. No. Oh, look! You, you just have a good time at parties. Color hands, McGee. <laughs> I think like when when Brian does stuff like that, I'm kind of like fuck off, Brian. I think if Neve ever did anything like that, I I would just like Break. I would just white noise. It would, I would blue screen. I would just be like, what is this? <laughs> what? Why? You would actually go like, ah. <laughs> yeah, completely. <laughs> like your mouth would be wide open. You also and you'd be, there'd be just whites in your you eyes. You also like if you've had a few drinks, Neve, you will say stuff to try and freak me out. Like there was one party a while ago where it was like pretty late. We'd all had a few, and I think I was going to hug you goodbye, and you just go, "Are we going to touch bodies?" <laughs> and I think I just went, "Oh, just living to touch bodies." Someday we'll touch about it. Yeah, anyway, that's that's the weird <laughs> physical relationship the three of us have, and I never want to talk about that ever again. Till next episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People are enjoying this so much. Mm-hmm. I don't... There, there, There is a kid right now at work, and he's got a big smile on his face, and it's because we're talking about our bodies. Okay, here's what I have to say to that guy. Get back to work, you little shit. Okay, look. There's one game that we're going to talk about, and we're really going to talk about it, and I think we might need to run through the other games on this list before we get to it. Because this is going to be a big conversation. And I, I think we're going to be, we're not going to want to talk about video games after. Yes, that's true. It's true. Yeah. Okay. Guys, I played tights in, no, fights in tight spaces. What is this? Okay. So this is a little indie game in, or I think it's indie, like it's not from a big publisher or anything, but it's in early access. And what this is, is... um. If people played, um, oh fuck, I'm completely blanking on it. the strategy game that came out on Switch. It was the sequel to FTL. It was a game where you control, I don't think either of you played it. This is a disaster. Where you control mechs and basically the way it works is you're fighting. Oh, these- the one that's isometric. Yeah. Oh, what was it called? <laughs> I don't know what I know the game you're oh. talking about. Why don't we know the name of this? I don't know, but it hurts. And it's only got like four turns per round. Like, it's a really quick yeah, one. Yeah, it's real. It's it's a tight little game. Okay, look, just talk. Okay, and I, okay. So this... Okay, so in that game, you're controlling mechs, you're defending buildings, and you're fighting giant bugs. And you see what the bugs are going to do in advance, and it's your turn to counter them. And there's a lot of, like, pushing bugs and pulling them in front of other bugs so that they damage each other. A lot of that kind of stuff. This is like that if it was a bar fight. So you are one person, you're fighting like three or four different people and you see, okay, this guy's going to shoot his gun here. This guy's going to like throw a punch here. This guy's going to try and do this to me. And from there, it's like, but it's also a deck building game. So you get dealt like five cards from your deck and one card might be like, oh, grab a guy and like pull him 90 degrees. Another might be like, oh, a front punch. And another might be like a roundhouse kick. And it's, basically trying to simulate you ever see those like like let me try and think like a john wick hand-to-hand scene it's trying to simulate that through a kind of turn-based preemptive battle system and um it's cool it's a good little game like it's 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 a really fun little combat puzzler where 
it's the kind of thing where you're looking at it and you're looking at it and you're looking at it and then you're like, okay, I think this is my best move. And then the moment you hit confirm, you're like, oh, no way, I could have done this. And it's maddening like that, but it's good. It's got a great little like art style. It's just all kind of like monotone, black and white. Um, kind of a little like kind of super hot or something like that. And um, it's in early access. And what I would say is that um, I would like there to be a bit more like variety in the stuff you can do like um, one of the things i loved about into the breach into the breach is that yeah i know that's yeah um, sorry game sorry game is that into the breach varies so wildly with how you play that game with like between the mechs you have so like the focus of your like strategy would completely change depending on what mechs you're controlling and with this, it's like there's different fighting styles. Like there's aggressive, there's balance, there's counterattack, there's trickster. And what I found is I don't feel like there's enough variety between the different styles because you're still kind like it still feels like they haven't gotten super creative with the cards. Like a lot of them are fairly kind of standard. But other than that, like this is totally it's like a kind of roguelike. Yeah, no, it is. Um it's totally something I'll put on and I'll just sit in front of for an hour and a half and I won't notice the hour and a half go by. It's a great little game. I think right now it's only on Steam, but I imagine it's going to come to everything at some point. And if you like that kind of game, it it really does scratch that itch. Cool. It kind of looks like super hot in its style. Totally. You're in a white room and the characters that you're dealing with are red. Mm. Brian. Yes. Why don't you tell us about... I, I've written here the slow and the tedious Joy-Con drift. This is your Joy-Con story. Yes. Hit us. Okay, so um, between myself and my partner, Rebecca, we own four sets of Joy-Cons. Wow. I think most of them are mine. Obviously, most of them are mine because I know what I am. And this is this is how I live. All of them, the left Joy-Con on the control stick, have the drift. All of them? All yes. four sets? Oh, yeah. <gasps> that um, sucks. Yeah. And so... It was getting to the point where, like, the 2017 Joy-Cons that I got with my Switch started drifting around 2018, 2019. So I bought some new Joy-Cons, and then I ended up buying another set of Joy-Cons after that. And I just kind of went, like, can you just get them repaired? Like, what's what's the deal? Because I know there's this on-and-off story about a class action lawsuit being put against Nintendo for the Joy-Con drift. But the thing is, we as consumers, when we buy the Switch, when you launch it at the beginning and you have to scroll scroll through 100 pages of text to agree, one of those is you cannot be part of a class action lawsuit. Oh. So that's not going to go anywhere. That seems dubiously legal. Yes, it is. But the thing is, Nintendo have an open secret in that free of charge, regardless of what it is, they will repair your Joy-Cons. Doesn't matter how old they are. So some of my Joy-Cons are four years old. You can send them to Nintendo They'll pay for the shipping and repairs. Sometimes they won't even repair it. They'll replace it brand new. And Joy-Cons are what, 50 quid? No, they're more. They're like 60 or 70. Yeah, they're I went, expensive. I went, I, my Joy-Cons started failing last year when I was like starting Ring Fit. And let me tell you, that is an agonizing game to have your Joy-Cons fail for. Yes. And so... Um, I believe so. I, yeah, I, I think they're 70 quid. Like I remember being like, what the... How are they that expensive? Yeah, they're ridiculous. And so... You don't need a proof of purchase or anything like that. They could be out of your warranty. Nintendo will repair them. And this is a lot easier to, in other countries, but we live in Ireland. There is no Nintendo.ie. A lot of uh, shops and tech companies, they don't have a .ie. There's no Amazon.ie. 
Yeah, like we usually go to the .co.uk. Yes. But given Brexit, that's Where become also an issue. There's now an import charge on anything. We've started going to Amazon German, yeah, Germany or Amazon A huge part France. of the agony with me and Dell was they kept giving me UK support numbers that you cannot access from Ireland and there were no Ireland support numbers. Yeah. So we are the only English-speaking country in the European Union like with English as their primary language because Irish is our secondary language here. Thanks, England. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, because of... And so for those reasons as well, uh, if we need repairs, we have to go to Nintendo UK. And so I fill in the form and... I've watched a couple of YouTube videos about this. I can't remember what they are, but it seems like this is an ongoing problem anyway. And it's now just an open secret just to send them to Nintendo. And you you uh, don't say, I have a Joy-Con drift. You just say, the, 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 the stick on my left Joy-Con isn't working correctly. And they'll go, okay. And they fill out a form and they give you an, uh, a, a UPS uh, the, the 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 logistics company they'll give you a, uh, a sticker to print out and all you have to do is get uh, an envelope and put it in mm-hmm. and the UPS guy came the next day and collected it but I also had to print out two invoice forms that claimed the price of the electronics that were bought in Ireland and I had to stick it on the inside and the outside of the, the package because I am sending over 150 euro worth of electronics to a country that is no longer in the EU. And fucking Brexit, Jesus Christ, it has fucked me in so many different ways. <laughs> it's fucked everyone. Yeah. yeah. It's it's such an inconvenience. And within five days it arrives at Nintendo and I have a tracking number for my repair as well. So I can actually check the tracking on the repair of what phase it is. And immediately they diagnose it as the Joy-Con drift and all of them. And two of the Joy-Cons were uh, repaired and one was outright replaced, huh. which is crazy. But so they, they they have brand new Joy Cons in their repair site, ready to go. And so for some of them, they won't even bother repairing it because they know that's how bad an issue this is. And like it's their own fault for four or five years ago when they were doing the R and D on the console mm. that they just didn't put in the extra time to not make a shoddy piece of hardware. And Nintendo in the past had an official seal of quality. That usually yeah. meant that their products were built to last because, Nin- because because they make children's toys yeah. and children's toys need to be robust. I can think of Nintendo games that went out with like a fatal bug like once or twice, but I can ne- I never remember like a serious hardware failure like that. Yeah, and so I I, I just felt like enough was enough, and like I, I'm I'm really into kind of consumer watchdog stuff, and I'm not fucking paying for another set of Joy Cons. And I, I think anybody who's having this problem absolutely do what I did because. It's not that hard to do. I know it's a pain in the ass to fill out the form, but the rest of it is pretty step-by-step. Anyway, it got repaired super quick. It took one whole week to get back to Ireland because it was held up in customs with UPS, and they weren't going to ring me. I had to ring them and send them the same invoice that I had sent on the way out to confirm that these were my electronics that I bought in Ireland, and they are not from the UK, and there's no VAT or there's no tax that needs to be paid on them. But yeah, I'd, I'd love if Nintendo opened up a, sh- a repair place in Ireland. That would make things easier. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, Did you only send off the lefties? 
Yeah, I, I sent off three of them. One of them I couldn't send off because it's a modded Joy-Con where I put a, a transparent shell on it. Mm. And I had a feeling if I sent that off, they'd be like, oh, this is modded, so that's why it's not working. Probably, yeah. Yeah, like they, they would try and loophole their way out of that one. So I just did. I, I got that one fixed locally by a electronics r- repair guy that I'm now friends with on Facebook. Um, and, he, <laughs> you know, he's a really nice guy. No, I, I just like it when that happens, when, like, someone's cool and you're like, yeah. He posts videos where he cleans out the pocket fluff out of uh, mobile phone or like phone charger ports. Because you know the way they get filled up with lint? And he's one of those guys that films those and they're incredibly satisfying to watch. That's my story about the Joy-Cons. If you have the Joy-Con drift, do get them fixed. It's it's not going to cost you anything. Nintendo should eat that cost. Neve. Yes. I'm very curious about how you've been getting on with Dragon Quest Builders. I've just started it. It's very, very cute. It's a building game like a la Minecraft, except with the Dragon Quest skin. So you start off, you're a little bean boy in <laughs> in the in the prison section of a ship and a skeleton comes lets you, uh, and lets you out. And it's just like, you got to help us around the ship. Um, and if you don't, I'm going to chop your head off. And it has full of that really great Dragon Quest humor where it's like, man, you can't talk this way to a child, but they do. Um, the ship crashes, you end up on an island and you meet a really mean looking Kyle, child called Malroth, who the first thing he says to you is like, hey, do you want to see a dead body? And Are then you serious? You, yeah, I swear to God. Hell and then yeah. you walk onto the beach and you literally see a whole pile of dead bodies. Um, but one of them survived and your t- first task is to build a little shelter for the well, three of you. people sure do ship Malroth a lot. With the builder? Yep, that was the first autocomplete that came up. I imagine so. Uh, Malroth seems like a very good character. I'm looking forward to getting to know him more. <gasps> I love... Um, I, don't want to, I don't want your spoilers. Okay, okay. Um, I kind of just love the conceit of the Dragon Quest Builder world where it's just kind of like... Well, everyone forgot how to make things, and only builders can make things. But thankfully, there's no master builders around because that would ruin our evil plans. You're just an apprentice builder, so you're not really a worry. And I just like the weird conceits in it, just the weird characters you meet. It's very cute. I'm looking forward to getting stuck into it more. But yeah, Dragon Quest builders. There's something about like the art style and just general vibe of Dragon Quest that really like melts my cynicism with a lot of stuff because like in a lot of ways like and not obviously with builders but in a lot of ways like it's just such a traditional series that i feel like i should roll my eyes but i just i like it it makes me happy those designs are so good they're, they're so, so cute good. they're so they colorful. so much personality yeah all the charm yeah you should you should try dragon quest 11 i will that is also I, I on can, game past okay Whoa. i was gonna say i can lend you but no it's 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 there on the machine. Yep. Yeah, it's such a beautiful game. Like it it looks so lovely. It like playing this and just getting that fun dialogue from the slimes and all the characters who are being mean to this little child. Um I was just like, "Man, I should play Dragon Quest 11." It's it's great. It's so good. It's just tight and nice. But um you're not far into this. No, and okay. I have to build all my friends' tombs before I move on. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> You'll show them. Yeah. You'll show them. Um, have we talked about Carol Blaster on this podcast before? Not on the podcast, no. but I, I spoke to you about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's from the guy who made Cave Story. Yeah. Very similar game. Very different game. I, I, I don't know his human name. His name is Pixel on the internet. Yeah. It's 
cool. I've been like gradually working my way through it for the last couple of weeks. And um, it is, you know, when we talked about um, Ritual of the Night, the not, the not Castlevania from Koji Igarashi. Bloodstained? Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, not Curse of the Moon. The second uh, Nez-like. The, okay, the first Nez-like that we all loved. Yeah. You know, they were like, that's such a tight game. Like, it's just so tight. Carol Blaster's like that. It's a really simple little kind of run and gun 2D shooter. And it has immaculate level design that really kind of takes every one of your powers into like account. And um, it's from Pixel. And it's definitely not like as ambitious as a game of caves as Cave Story. Like, would you say, would you say that, Brian? No, it's, 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 a, it's a smaller project. Definitely. But, um, I think it's like three euro or something yeah. on the eShop. Like yeah, the game's always on sale on Switch. And like, there is a good, there is some real good type gameplay. And like, it, it, you know, you're just a little frog and you have a little backpack and you like shoot things. And um, then eventually you get an upgrade and your upgrade is a jacket. It's like a Leon Kennedy jacket. <laughs> and that like, let, that lets you take one hit. And it's just full of really cute little touches like that. But also with some really like, just tight, run and gun gameplay like you feel so in control of this frog and like what you're doing and you're upgrading your weapons and i don't like i don't have a lot to say about it other than like you should check out a video of this game and if it appeals to you if you think it will appeal to you it nearly definitely will it's just it's super nice and super tight i think that's everything out of the way should we pour another glass of wine yes we should yes i'm gonna just put this out here I like to bring bottles of wine to share with my friends. Just putting that out there in terms of who provides the drinks. Yeah, and it's you know it's one of the things I really admire about you. Needs the wine, mom. It's not even your apartments. Hey, where is the wine? Oh, there is. I drank it up. John, maybe you should bring the wine next time. I do sometimes. No, you don't. Well, not in a while, no. Yes, I'd like just a just a sneak of wine. Brian, well, Neve Neve occupies herself with wine. Yes. Let's. We need some filler. We can't let Oni edit this bit out. No. No. We. I can, can only ask him to do so much. Could we sing more cowboy songs? Sure. Uh, what do you want to sing? Rolling along the desert plains, the star is bright at night. Sand on my boots through the empty plain. All I can think of is you. Hold my hand, let's get into an old-fashioned bar fight. Oh my god, ten-gallon hat. Oh, what is that? Is it a fucking cat? Sheriff and deputy coming. Best get out of town. Measure me dearly for my coffin. Hang me down from the gallows. I thought you were going to say put me down in the ground and we would have rhymed. But, uh, oh shit. Yeah. Okay, uh, just 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 one more little bit of cowboy uh, crooning for okay, y'all. Okay. Okay. Um. There's a stone in my boots and it's pissing me off. <laughs> gonna beat you back black and blue. You're gonna fall into that trough. Got my shotgun here. He's my best friend. He's always with me. Even in the end. Till the bitter end. 
shaving my stubble with a knife. I sure miss my wife. <laughs> shaving my beard off and cooking it. Cause there ain't nothing to eat on the prairie. I had to eat my belt. What's wrong, Eve? I nothing. It's very good. Cowboys do actually have to eat their clothes sometimes. Faster. Stab a horse. Oh, a Resident Evil 8. No more cowboys. No more cowboys. Village. 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 Uh, yeah. Okay. Who's beaten this game? Me. Me. I have not. Why? Be- Why are you so slow? Yeah, you're not a real gamer? Huh? Well, I'm at the very end of the game. I bet you're not, John. And if I had perchance, maybe even one more night with the game, I could have beaten it, Neve. <laughs> what happened? Did your copy not arrive? We see Neve had plans. She plans for NeveCon 2021 Part 2. Uh, <laughs> and she took the day off work for the Friday release of Resident Evil Village. And my game did not arrive. And I spent the day in a mood. <laughs> uh, it wasn't very becoming of me, I must say. Uh, and then my girlfriend told John that I was in a mood. And John was so gracious and nice to give me his copy of Resident Evil Village. And I wasn't going to bring this up, Neve, because that'd be kind of weird. And it is it is kind of weird to, to, to just highlight a good deed like that. But you did immediately come at me. For not having the keys. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, John. Like, what's your excuse? Neve had mine. That's not an excuse. But in fairness, she... I had it for 12 hours because my copy arrived the next day at one o'clock and I brought it back up to you. you John, she was in a mood. Okay. I was in a mood. So <laughs> I, I think I think like, I, I think the, o- the only way to do this is we have to like non-spoiler discussion and spoiler discussion. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Because... Do you mind spoilers, John? I don't know what to do. I don't want to know what happens in, like, the last hour. Because, like, the the story lays on pretty heavy in the last hour for yeah. some reason. I got from the last thing I've seen, I got that feeling. What a weirdly paced game. Um, do, uh, okay. How, yeah, how the fuck do we talk yeah, about this Yeah, how do game? we talk about it? Like, okay, we can break it into chunks, I guess. So, I guess, um, presentation, gameplay, and story. Yeah. John, that work? That work for sure, you? Sure, sure. And just general feelings. Anyone want to go first? I'll, I'll go first. So my feelings with the game are, I really enjoyed it. And I beat it a few days ago. And the more I think about it, the less I liked it. But I still enjoyed it. I spent the first hour and a half of this game fucking hating it. <laughs> okay. So when I first played it, the fir- after the first session, I did not like it. And I was pretty down on it at the end finishing it I enjoyed it a lot by the end but again the more I think about it the more it's it's just so all over the place there's a lot of why yeah there's a lot of why I I have a lot of thoughts on this game like this is an interesting game to think about but overall I had fun like I, I I sat through it two days four sessions it held my attention because it was kind of like a theme park ride where things are just happening all the time like people keep saying this kind of like resident evil 4 it is so much more like resident evil 6 i cannot understand the comparisons to 4 and like not not going up or down on the game it just to me 
aesthetically parts of it are like four yeah. but it's like philosophies it like the ways it tries to scare you the focus of its gameplay so different like crazy different there's one or two boss battles that are just out of four and five yeah at, towards the end but yeah like they're like like there, there, there were parts of this game where I was screaming too loud because I did, I was just like oh yo 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 because because <laughs> like I don't know how to react and Rebecca to be like you sound like the fucking zoo like shut up okay before I move on did you you know the weird woman in the puppet with the puppet yeah yes I saw her and I was like ah Neve <laughs> so so for me it was the hunchback and I was like what the fuck is going on so like I I, I think that's one of my do you guys not think the weird woman with the puppet looked like Neve. Do you think it looks like me? Yeah, like yeah, when she, you had yeah, dark yeah, hair. Yeah, what she did. And, it, yeah. and like, you don't have a weird puppet, but at some point, you're... I, I will. You, you know, like, and I was like, oh my god, that looks like me. Yeah. I'm so close to commissioning someone for a Muppet puppet. Yep. Yeah. Of myself. And this this character is just a few degrees more of that. I yeah. really, really, really like the bit where you meet all the rogues, like like the rogues gallery of that game. And That's my favorite bit. Yeah, that and, was my favorite and, bit. And you're just like, what the fuck am I gonna do okay so okay. like okay hang, maybe we, we should go back to the start with this okay. okay the reason i disliked it the start of it so much was i feel like first of all like remember Neve, you said to me like it, it apes four and it's a worse game i really believe that the gameplay of this game is generally very poor like there's no depth to it there's no anything like you don't you don't for a lot of the game you don't even need to look down sights like you get your gun approximately where that thing is and you just squeeze the trigger until it stops moving like you point on it and click until it goes away that is the game i i hate the lichens i think they're such <gasps> shit bad guys to me to me they look more like orcs the, okay yeah. this is what they i've been saying like the werewolves. entire time i was yeah. like they, why they am look, i they fighting like lord of the rings orcs why am i that i was going to say this the bow like, and arrows yeah, yeah, the yeah. fire they're just lord of the rings orcs do you like them neve um i i don't know have you been to the stronghold yet yes okay i like the fight with them there i like how they move i like that they're climbing I, up I, there I really like the jumping really bad. it's I, not I the really animation like the... i like that they will like climb on the walls and swing off yeah, ropes. I, 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 I do cool. enjoy the, yeah. say, there was like an intensity to that bit that yeah. i was like i wish this was in the rest of the game yeah, yeah i really like the yeah. stronghold part yeah, i really like yeah and how they're swinging on vines that bit really reminds you of bits of resident evil 5 when you're in the the temple to give you guys like an impression of where i am you're in Heisenberg's factory, I presume, at this stage. Past Heisenberg's factory. In oh. the section starting after Heisenberg's factory. Okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. So I get the feeling there's not much left. No, you literally have an hour of gameplay, I'd yeah. say. I was I, I like had forty minutes before the podcast and I was like, I know there's gonna be like a little bit left, but anyway. So I really I I just I just think the gameplay in this game is bad. Like it's just it's just bad. I think it feels terrible. I it's think very floaty. Oh I no, feel... I really like the controls. Oh my god, I think they're so bad. Like I, genuinely I, I, awful. I, I, I'm having a great time controlling that game. I'm, I, I, I don't know between... how. Like because, to me, this like I remember when I played the demo and I was like, oh, it's they've made the demo like kind of walking simulator ish, and then I get the game and the game still feels like a walking simulator except with parts where you can shoot, and I just think like. The weapons have no weight or heft to them. The enemies don't react in fun or interesting ways. I just... It's... I really dislike every part about how this game plays. 
Um, shooting wise, I actually quite like it. I'm, I'm a big fan of the shotgun, so I feel like oh, yeah. I love the that shotgun, shotgun to me feels satisfying enough um, to shoot. I really like it. But what I found really weird and floaty about it was the button to interact with stuff. I felt it was kind of sliding all over the place. Like I would try and pick up something and it's not directly on it. So it didn't work. So I had to kind of readjust where I was. Yeah, I, I'd swing and strafe over an item as I walked and I'd realize I didn't pick it up. Yeah. And I'd I, have to go back and try it again. I kept having to go back and being like, oh, I missed that. I thought I picked it up, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. And there was like even like bits like crouching to get under stuff. I felt it was very sticky or something. It didn't feel fluid it yeah. felt kind of chunky and ethan moves very slowly so slowly did you get the upgrades to make him run faster no i did some of the animal hunting and i sold some of the meat because there wasn't an option to do anything with it then there is i was mm -hmm. pissed i kept the meat because i knew you'd have to cook for him but there is a bit you can do everything in this game and go back to every location except lady dimitrisu's castle and when I was exiting the castle, there's a pond full of fish and I went, oh, fish. And I walked past it. And then there's like this marble game. And at the time I didn't know what it was. And the marble in your inventory doesn't look like a marble. It looks like a round crest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, Until you turn it and it's a sphere. Yeah. yeah. So I walked by it. So I missed the, up the fish that you fucking need to buy anything. And the one marble game that I missed because I just, you can't yeah, go back to her castle. Well. I did every marble game and the last one infuriated me, but I fucking did it. Yeah. They're kind of, they're kind of great and they're kind of shit. Oh yeah, I love them. They're There's a terrible. lot of cool secondary stuff. Like if you go and get all the Lord's treasures and stuff, I found, I found that stuff really fun to do, but your kind of reward for doing anything is just an item to sell back to the Duke. And the problem I feel like is the combat isn't engaging enough for me to make me care about any of the upgrades because like i'm just gonna kill these creatures like there's no challenge to it it's like bang 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 they're dead it is the easiest resident evil on standard difficulty oh my by god far. Yeah. I, I i think i only died when i wanted to see what it looked like when i died in a, a certain sequence with a certain... so much health yeah yeah and like like within the first hour i had a hundred bullets for for my handgun so i was like i'm fine i, mm -hmm. I, I don't have to worry but no, I, I I do like the controls. I I, I enjoyed how it I, felt, like, and I like the quick I, turn. I just I don't yeah, know how good. because I, it, I really it, really wish there was a melee to follow up. Yeah, Brian yeah. has just played seven. Like you're yeah. you're very embedded in that feel. Oh yeah, I am. Okay, yeah, because like to me the feel nearly made more of sense of seven with seven because I feel like at least in the first half of the game seven had less of a focus on combat and it was more about like running and hiding and yeah it's just a hide and seek game but with this like this is a first person shooter yeah and um for sure yeah and i really like coming off the first hour and a half of the game i was like oh shit like i do not like this at all um and then we got to like lady Demetress's castle yes and um I wasn't really like in love with how the game looked up until this point. Like I felt like it, it it's kind of gray, you know, and my fucking God, the art direction on that castle is outstanding. It's beautiful. There's this yeah. one like golden hallway and it's only there for like one section and it's amazing. And then um, did you go back to her bathtub? She, some of, she has a giant bathtub. So some of like the horror they kind of pull off some of the subtle horror with Lady Demetress. Like, the giant bathtub got me. Like, when I saw it, I was like, she must need so much water! And that freaked me out for some reason, you know? She's having a wine bath. There's another bit where I you find, where oh you find one of her teacups, 
and her lipstick on the teacup is like enveloping half the cup. Yeah. Um, so good. Lady Demetris is fucking amazing. Yes. I loved her. There was one part where I was at the bottom of a staircase and I looked up and I just saw her massive frame coming down towards me. I felt genuine terror. I was like, oh my god, I am going to die. Her daughters are fine. Like, they're grand. Her daughters are like... disappointed by that. I, I, so, so her daughters are totally spies in that it's the, they just swap the heads. Yeah, it's just they have different hair colors. They're the exact same model, but yeah, it's like blonde, yeah. brown, and black hair. Because there was a bit where I was showing Rebecca. I was like, check out, check out the daughters. And I said, put your hand over the top half of the TV. And she was like, oh, okay. So and there, there's nothing there with the with their little boss battles, and one of them you can cheese it real bad. It was like, and which was a pity because I really love the characterization of the house. Like I love them being her daughters and like just like like calling her mother and stuff, and it just yeah. felt really fun and cheesy and campy. filthy man flesh. All that stuff is yeah, so fun. it was so fun and so great. And then the boss fights with them were so easy and so disappointing. And I also thought like when you kill one of the daughters that it might ramp up lady um lady d's like step by step angrier there is a bit where like you kill her first daughter and you can't see her but she's screaming she screams, at you in the yeah and like that was another bit where i was like oh this is just good horror like this mm-hmm. is just genuinely good horror i wish they had built on but that. they didn't yeah she yeah. doesn't like i thought like her pursuerness would like ramp up or she'd be really on your ass because yeah, you really or, pissed her off or, or she try different techniques because like her only yeah. technique is she flicks out her hand with the long nails so and unflicks it. Not to get too pedantic, but I have an issue with Lady Demetrius's long nails because I feel like her long nails undercut the fact that she's just gigantic and can just tear you apart with her just hands. And to me, that's much scarier than her sword fingers. Yeah, I can see that, but I think it also adds to a bit to her her elegance that it's her long nails as well because I don't think she's gonna rip you in half. Because she is a lady. Yeah. The every part where she choke slams you through the floor. That is pretty good. That bit's good. really good. And yeah. she throws a dresser. I, I love that she has the Corella Deville cigarette Pipe, stock. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the dresser throw is so good. Yeah. Like, it's so, so good. I, I, I love the bit in the dungeon as well where you're trying to turn the switch and it's hilarious. That, yeah. like, so much is, like, like the the VA, her voice actress is amazing. Incredible. She really sells it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's so good. But um, I was disappointed with her boss fight as well. Well, just because the so arena was tiny. So do you guys remember when I was like, what are they going to do? I <laughs> hope they don't do? turn her into a giant monster with a weak point. That's what they did. Yeah. Um, I, I was disappointed in that. And like, I think the thing with Lady Demetri... Are, are we spoiling the game now? What's going on? We're in a, we're in spoiler zone. Okay. Then Vagina Dragon, is that what we're going to say? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put a link in the time skip if you want to skip spoilers. But... um. Yeah, like, they just make her a Dark Souls dragon. Yeah. And, like... Get the sniper To me, there is so much you could do with that character. And, like, it kind of comes back to the thing you were saying earlier, Neve. Like, imagine the boss fight with that character is just her getting angrier and angrier Mm. as you kill her daughters and her behavior gets more unhinged. And then, imagine this, right? You kill her last daughter and she shows up and now she's wearing a red dress. That would destroy me. We're in the Matrix, John. An outfit. No, Sean. See that woman with the red dress? I programmed her. <laughs> She's really nice. <laughs> but um, Get some alone time with her if you want. I really loved just Lady Demetrius in general. I just thought she was such a great piece of horror. Like, what mm-hmm. a... 
just surreal camp and like the, you know Brian like it's a thing with the bathtub like I saw the bathtub and I was like oh my fucking god like yeah. I'm in a nightmare and like like I really actually ended up coming around on this game in a big way and a lot of it is because I, I just feel like so many parts of that game genuinely feel like being in this feverish nightmare yeah. and yep. like for all and like for all my complaints of this game and I have a lot I, I like this game quite a bit yeah like I think for me one of my favorite parts of the game is when you've cleared out an area or, or or when you've done the story sequence of that area, but you go back and revisit it and you can just take your time. Because mm-hmm. I, I know you could beat this game in under 10 hours, but I, it took me over just because I didn't want to leave each area because I just wanted to, to inspect everything. Yeah. yeah. I think... Um, and I, I do like the map system that it'll tell you whether you've cleared a room out. Yeah, I actually red. don't like that because <gasps> really? I feel like... I, I'm not paying attention to the rooms. I'm just checking my map every five minutes. And I kind of, it feels less organic to me than searching it yourself. See, I didn't mind that because the because because the alternative in other modern games is the detective vision. Yeah, where, which I don't want that. No, I Yeah, the one in Tomb Raider really bothers me. And I, I know you can turn that all off, but by default it's on and you kind of just fall into it. Um, but I, I, I did enjoy treasure hunting in this game. Me too. I, I think I think there's a better system they could do. I just I don't know what. I really loved being in Dimitrisu's castle. I love her as a character, and I love the idea of her daughters. But I found the boss fights really like not compelling or difficult. And I found her as a stalker kind of weak. I never got caught by her, and I never felt no. under pressure by her. I let her kill me just to see it, just kind of thing. It. And yeah. she kind of just slashes you, like she, yeah. she can only chase you in four rooms, like that. It's just four connecting rooms. It's a square, like that's and all it is. I found the locations quite small that I could very easily know where I was. So once I saw her, I turned around and just went around the other way, and then I never saw her again. And yeah. I did that twice, yeah, so just I back. really didn't feel under pressure from her as a stalker, which is a pity because I wanted to see more of her because I yeah. think she looks great. I feel like a kind of a theme for me in this game is kind of like really great conceptual ideas not backed out up with interesting game design. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what to talk about this, so I'll just say it now, but the basic enemies, which are kind of like... I, I, I guess the most common one you get in the first half of the game are ghouls. The ghouls, for sure. And, and, <laughs> and I guess later there are the undead um, coming out of the ground, but considering the two previous games were 2 and 3 Remake, and they had great variety in character design in their zombies... The zombie basic enemy in these games is terrible. It is yeah. it is a dude in a purple hoodie with a smock and like all the zombies and ghouls wear the exact same outfit. Yeah. And they hold different weapons. And that's it. And they're not fun to kill. And it's weird because, like, you're told you're in a village of people that you've been experimenting on. So why aren't they the villagers, you know? Why aren't yeah. they dressed like the villagers? Like, it's where like, is why the butcher, the, the baker, the candlestick yeah, maker? Yeah, where is, like, the, why are these, like, these ancient, like, druid, like, ghouls with, with sword? Yeah. And, like, when you think of, like, Resident Evil 4, and, like, a lot of other stuff, like, what I love about the Resident Evil 4 villagers, the Los Plagos, is... There's always that feeling with the Lost Plagas that they're constantly ca- trying to cage you into whatever environment you're in. Yeah. They'll, you know, they'll be putting up like ladders to break in through the like and all like, and that creates such a sense of panic. I never had that really once. I had it a little bit with the stronghold sequence, but other than that, like I never had a sense that these 
the creatures were really hunting me. That they to me they always just felt like things for me to tidy up so I could move on to the next. Yeah, section. You show up to an area, you can tell one or two spawn points, and you camp out and take them out. Yeah, um, I was really nervous coming out of the Lady Demetrius's castle because I was like, I think that's going to be the high point for me. Like I don't see myself. I wasn't really feeling any of the other lords of darkness or whatever they are at that point. And then I hit the the house, uh, the dollhouse, and I fucking loved it. Ah, uh, I think I might be the only person who doesn't like the dollhouse. Neve, the baby. I the, know the baby. Okay. The baby's really fun. Thematically, it doesn't make sense, but it is no, very fun. That's my whole thing. Okay. I have two issues. One, I love puppets and I was like, oh my God, we've just come out of this camp giant woman area. I can't wait to meet the camp puppet area. And then you go into the house and the storytelling is super weak. It's hard to know what's going on. And then all of a sudden there's this like figure of Mia that's there. And it seems like a horror that's really meant to be Mia's. Like, I feel like you're meant to be playing as Mia in this section because... I, like Ethan has never expressed any anxieties about parenting or being having like yeah, he just wants daughter. his daughter back he loves his daughter yeah but Mia in the opening bit has expressed these anxieties and there's a lot of like stuff about motherhood in this so I, I for one just think Mia should have been the protagonist but uh story-wise it makes no sense that house at all and once they you feed you and took away all your weapons I was like okay this is a chase and hide sequence this is like the escape room away. part this of the game. This is the escape room. Yeah, because there were, there were there was a few of those in Resident Evil 7. And the last game like I've played that's very like that is Visage. So it kind of felt like once those corridors started getting dark, I was like, something's going to chase me. This feels like Visage. And then, the, then it appears. None of what you've said is wrong at all. I think for me, again, like the thing I love about this game is it just feels like a feverish nightmare. Yeah. yeah. And the idea that, that baby looks no atrocious. Fuck, and like, like me, like from a to- storytelling perspective, you're totally right. Like that, it doesn't really make a lot of sense that house. It kind of feels like different parts of the game that just got slotted together at some point. But for me, the just fever dream of coming around the corner and seeing this giant mutated baby. And its feet are turned upwards and its yeah. umbilical cord is dragging behind it and it's got a big droopy mouth. That was such a shock to me that it, it, it just hit me so hard. It's super scary. Like, I yeah. was scared. Like, yeah, it was like, effective, you're just like, oh, <laughs> you know? As, as soon as I saw it, I was like, I need to know what happens when you get eaten by the baby. Oh, really? me too. And, and, me and, too. And, and, and oh my God, you, you guys up. are so weird. If it gobbles you up and there's actually a sound clipper goes... Yum. Oh my god, okay. Oh, and like, they've animated its like throat and everything. And like, I was oh, so, oh. like, I looked back at that, saw it once, was scared shitless, and went, I know exactly where to go. Because I felt another issue with that area is it's a very small space, and you get you go into the room it's that room with has, a locker. has a locker and a bed that suddenly has the prompt to hide, which has never shown up before. So I was just like, run to the room, press the hide button. So I ran to the room, got into the, like, closet and hid. Yeah. So I barely saw the baby. The baby left and I ran out, got onto the elevator and didn't see the baby again. Maybe I should have let it eat me. Eat me oh, but, it's really funny. Because yeah. the baby eats you boots first. Okay. So you just slide down the gullet. Yeah. But gameplay wise, again, it felt extremely easy. Yes. Like, oh, like, yeah. It's a, it's a very it's easy game. It's a yeah. very, very I, easy I, game. I believe it's easy so that non people not familiar with the franchise will play it. 
And that's fine, but I think there might be should be a warning at the start being like, if you're familiar with Resident Evil, maybe play on hardcore. Yes. I wonder how much of a better game this is with the difficulty bumped up. It, it, you, you, because, because, because you know the way when you're in those like outhouses, you need to lock yourself into the little villager houses, and they have sacks of flour, and you're told if you shoot these, it'll I create a dust cloud. Never use them. And I was once. like, that's such a useful feature that I yeah never used. Never used. And like yeah. you see, I I have a problem with this. I feel like. Generally, a game should have a difficulty that scales to its mechanics. Like, it should be a difficulty level that you're forced to get familiar with each one of its mechanics. And if there's an extra mechanic there that you don't need, how necessary is it? Like, that's not the same as, like, giving the player options. That's a different thing. But I felt like there was a bunch of times in this game where it half introduced a mechanic and then you just kind of don't need it, you know? I think the hardest enemy I had to fight in the game were those two giants with the axes. Yeah. You know, there's one patrolling the graveyard, and then there's one patrolling like a, a barn. Yeah. Uh, they're like like. You need to trigger them as like one of this is an optional treasure boss, and then yeah. the other is just an optional boss auto. Yeah. Um, but they're just like they're, they're sponges. You have to really be equipped to take on. That's them. why they're difficult, is because they're bullet sponges. Yeah. Do you have to fight one of them? I think in the stronghold, or is that a different? It's thing? beside the stronghold. No, that's the other. That's the other axe wielding hammer wielding guy it's kind of like super werewolf yeah super werewolf but there's two that are like that but less hairy and they're kind of optional bosses when you go back to the puppet house there's a graveyard in front of it okay check that place out yeah um you need an item yeah but um i i liked the puppet sequence for its absurdity like it's ridiculous stabbing that puppet in the brain yeah It, it was real funny like chasing after it and it kept trying to be a dummy on the ground and you're like there you are. I couldn't tell if I was taking damage in that sequence, so it was really like, I was like, I guess I'm just finding it and stabbing it in the head over and over, but like... Oh, you're winning. What I would have liked from that that house was you go in the door and you've only ever seen this woman with a veil over her face holding the doll, but then when you go into the house, you see an unveiled portrait of this woman with the doll, and I was kind of like, I can't wait to learn about this person. And instead about <laughs> instead of learning about the person, which you later find in a collectible and a journal entry at the very end, you instead get this kind of weird kind of like Mia Ethan's relationship shit that doesn't really tie into anything else. And I was just like, okay, but what about the monster lord? Like, I want to know about Donna and her weird doll. Like, what is going on here? So, yeah, she has dolls everywhere. What happened? Yeah. So Are narratively, it just kind of took so- a drop for me. But like in terms of spooky. Like we're on a monster like roller coaster. Like it was, it was high in that regard. But in terms of plot and narrative, it was extremely low. Like, and I was kind of torn between those. Yeah, I get you. Like sometimes I can't help feel, I can't help feel like that. There is a lot about this game that kind of feels sort of torn up and rearranged and kind of set. And like, what I would love from this game, and like I don't think this is ever the case with this game, but I imagine like. Imagine, like, Lady Demetris is, like, the thing the whole game, and she is with you the whole game, she's stalking you the whole game, and imagine you are just exploring her house, and at some point, you go, you know, you go into the puppet wing, and that woman is in the puppet wing, and you learn about her, imagine at some point you go to the nursery, and Mm. the baby is in the nursery, like, to me, there's such a, like, there's such strong elements of horror in this game, they just feel kind of a little disparate. 
You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Because I really love the kind of universal monster vibe it has. Like, oh, I love great. that there's just, like, four freaky lords. Yeah, you've, you've got your hunchback fish man. Yeah. And I, I liked him, too. I, 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 like, I, like, I like his boss fight. I like the mechanic of his, of his acid rain. And mm. um, I, I, I like that location. It's... That felt just, very four. Yeah, that, that felt like four for yeah. sure. And it, it's just a bit different because I because you, you know how you start off and you're in a cave and there's a mine cart rail on the ground. I was like, here we fucking go again. But uh, it wasn't a mine cart section. I, I like how much they kind of characterized him because I like when you meet him and he's really apologetic. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting. Just vomits yeah. straight yeah. away into yeah. his food. And, and you, you know, you know, the way getting the parts are so arduous for some sections but for him you get it and then it's not about getting the part because you have it it's about escaping with it yeah mm-hmm. I, I i just little tweaks like that mean a lot yeah what did you guys think of heisenberg i liked heisenberg in the sense that he sounds like nicholas cage with a yeah, cold he? his voice is really so unusual. good i love his voice like i love it it's a really fun character he's like oh, he's on. <laughs> <And you're> like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know why he's in a european village but there you go why are any of them there? They all yeah. have American accents until you fight Miranda, who has a bit of an Irish um, yeah. accent. Um, so there's a character in One Piece called Captain Uses Kid, and he's basically like a grungy, fucked up Magneto that uses scrap metal, and he's got polar opposite hands, so he's got, you know, repel and attract magnesis. Like, that's Heisenberg, and he makes mm-hmm. weird Tetsuo blob hybrid, like, yeah. I was super not sold on Heisenberg from the first meeting. I was like, I have a fucking creepy puppet and a giant woman and a weird fish man. I don't want to fight a metal guy. I actually really like him now. Yeah, he, he makes Frankensteins. He is, he is mm-hmm. unhinged. Well, or he no. is Frankenstein. He makes monsters. People I, I like seem his... pretty split over the factory. What do you guys think of I it? like this. I liked the I liked factory. The enemies. Yeah. I liked it too. I felt it, it was the first time where I actually felt a little like under pressure compared yeah, they're, they're, to the rest of the game. I liked yeah, the sure. enemies in the factory a lot yeah. because I felt like they mattered. Yeah. They do. And and there's like a version one all the way up to a version four and they get super clutch. Mm-hmm. And like, I know they have a big red glowy weak spot, but I did enjoy that you've got your Terminator zombie with like one drill arm and then he's got two drill arms and then he can fly and then he got propeller head. But even, even the way, like, they try and guard their weak spot, like, there was yeah, just, like, a was glimmer good. more intelligence to them than there was mm-hmm. the regular enemies. And it made such a difference, you know? I really enjoyed as well that um, I, I started using the mines and the pipe bombs. Yeah. And so you'd, like, plant a bomb and then you'd take them out with your handgun. I, 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 I tried different techniques with yeah. them. Yeah, I also it's- love towards the end of the factory, you're just walking along and you turn around and you find, like, the final version just this monstrosity of metal and you can't see anything human all you can see is this little legs and just that really scared me i was like oh fuck i like the factory um what i think in terms of pacing the factory comes directly after stronghold which if you did the optional stuff as well comes directly after auto so it's a lot of like very combat heavy sections straight after each other i would have loved to rearrange it where heisenberg's factory is like mid game and dimitrisu's castle is end game kind of stuff yeah so you're kind of building toward this ornate castle kind of thing because i think if you there was a shooting segment somewhere near the start it wouldn't feel so like kind of different types of slow pace horror and then it gets all shooty all of a sudden yeah it's definitely like seven where yeah it's classic horror at the beginning then action horror at the, in mm-hmm. the second half 
Uh, I generally didn't enjoy the village sections. I don't like that village. I quite I, liked I like it. the village. Yeah, yeah. I liked exploring I, I re- it. I really learned my way around afterwards. Yeah. I think if you have a weak sense of direction, that village is very difficult to find your way around. I really loved getting all the wells, taking oh, yeah. them all off, getting every clearing every room. It was very very fun, Absolutely. and I just loved like. I say it all the time, but Capcom is just kind of master envir- of environments and going into those houses. And a lot of kind rugs. Of, yeah, just seeing all this like. I really like how detail. they're hanging onions from the ceiling to hang the garlic. Yeah, thought that was great. It just like it looked cool. I spent a lot of time looking at stuff, um, but then again, other stuff I was disappointed with in the village is I found the puzzles in this game are kind of non-existent, and when they do exist, they're so easy. Like if you have a padlock, the number is in the room with the padlock. The one I really liked is where you have to look out the window frame and two of the numbers are on the frame, but then a werewolf goes and gives you a fright. That was, you know, like people talk a lot of shit about jump scares. I always respect and like intelligently designed jump scare. That was one of them. Like the way they pull your focus and it was good. I started overthinking the puzzles. So I started doing the, like the numbers out the window by depth instead of just- I started doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was just like, no, it's just right to left. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's robot wars. Activate. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Chris builds you a, a, a shitty little mech. No, he doesn't build it. Heisenberg built it itself. And Chris says, <laughs> Heisenberg built this, but he built it out of materials he can't control. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Thanks, Heisenberg. Because he goes to leave and me a wrench and they have a weird little third person talk. I can't believe Heisenberg calls Chris a boulder-punching asshole. <laughs> it's great, but how does he know that? How does he know that? I'd, I'd say everyone in... Uh, has has heard of this guy, this ex-stars guy that did a boulder punch. I just see Heisenberg on the phone mm-hmm. being like, how'd he kill Wesker? Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> um, yeah, th- that bit where you're just in a weird shitty mech fighting a Tetsuo blob. Yeah, I, I really had a good time. <laughs> yeah, I liked it too. I was just like, this yeah. is stupid. And I was really tired by the end of the factory. So I was just like, I'm happy that I get to be in a mech. And it, it's like taking all the, it's doing all the work also for me. Like, I liked the factory. I think the idea of like a nightmarish factory environment has been done a lot in games, but something about this place really did kind of get to me a bit. I think it's the part where you come around the corner and you see those giant gear machines like smashing down and you have to run by them. Yeah. It's like those machines were so large and just uncaring about the fact that you were there. There was something like really mechanical and frightening about that that I liked. I think like people say this game like isn't scary and I get that. I think there's good horror in there. Like, yeah. there's there's a lot of good ideas. I don't think it's tense in the way Seven was, but Seven, I was afraid to turn around, turn a corner in case I ran into Jack, and it was really an oppressive fear. With this, it's kind of more like universal monster fear, where it's kind of like more the ideas you're being presented mm. are kind of horrifying. Like, his factory is where he's just experimenting on loads of people, and they're all going on these, like, like hooks oh yeah. yeah and he's just mass producing these monsters and you walk down a hallway and there's just these mass produced monsters like lining the walls and you're like i'm gonna have to fight you i really like when they're on the walls but they're not turned on yet and then one of them will like jump out at you <laughs> that really bothered me i was like oh no. like like to me that's like in four with the suits of armor that had the, the plagas in them mm. and you'd be like which ones are set design and which ones are gonna get me um it's a really weird game in a lot of ways because like I really like it and like I have gone from being like oh no I hate this game to being like I really really like this 
the only parts were like I feel like this is a really cool game that is so on the verge of being amazing but it's not and I find that hard because like when you think of like the game design in part four, in Resident Evil 4 like you think about how meticulously designed the fighting in that game is and how tense it feels and how like exciting it feels and how impressive it feels and like how you feel like you're being hunted I feel like if you drop a sense of that into this game that's fu- that would be fucking incredible I just love a melee follow up yeah, yeah. No, it because just, it would it give be... you an option it would make you choose things in those scenarios and it would you just know? give you an incentive to keep pushing forward because you take out an enemy from a few feet away from you then you go up and suplex or stab them or just do something physically to them then you can move on to the next one but but there would be like a sense of a combo to it because yeah. I, I, I played the mercenaries and as a combo meter doesn't mean anything the mercenaries isn't great no yeah well yeah I mean if, if, if it's just the combat from this, it's like, what are you even doing? Yeah, it's quite slow. Yeah. Like, it's super slow. But, um, yeah, like, I, 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 it's a game I really like and a game that I could be, could see as, like, amazing in so many ways, but it's just kind of not quite there. Like, a lot of the ideas of the horror it introduces, like, again, like Lady Demetrius, I feel like I hope they do, like, Lady Demetrius DLC and just try and push that idea because she's so great. And they'll probably do Chris DLC. Yeah, they'll absolutely do Chris because DLC. See, I don't want to be Chris fighting Lady Demetrius because he's They're too strong. I'm going to have to do like a meanwhile, like this is what was happening. Yeah, they'll do like Chris's events Because you, you bump into Chris a few times and he's very busy with something else. Mm-hmm. And It actually kind of made me interested in Chris. I was like, why is he doing this? And I, I kind of, I got there long before the game tells you. What, what's happening i thought his characterization was really weird because like he meets ethan and he's just like ethan i told you to not get involved it's not about you and it's just like dude it's super about him <laughs> here's babies in jars yeah uh chris is really weird in this game mm-hmm. uh, i mean I, I liked it but only because i feel like what is chris a, a, besides a, this a lot of the drama around chris is just miscommunication that's on him yeah that's yeah. always on him to the point <laughs> that there's a bit in it where his team kind of call him out for it and yeah. then you're like and but then he does it again anyway at the end and you're just like great job chris yeah. how do you guys feel about the ending um so basically i'm at the start of the chris section okay uh the ending they really lay on the first person cutscenes and some third person cutscenes mm-hmm. with a first person character that they can't show the face of and it looks really dumb that ending reminded. He needs to spoil it. No, well, I, I, I don't want to spoil it, but like, it reminded me of Bioshock Infinite in a bad way, where it's just kind of like, is that what you're going for? I don't agree with what you're doing. I, I don't know. I just, it's a really shitty hero's journey. Yeah. I think that's my problem with the game overall is that I really had a good time, but I think Ethan as a protagonist was a really bad choice. Ethan is an unremarkable man. He's so unremarkable. And sometimes that's funny. Sometimes there's a real hilarity to how little he reacts to the madness around him. Like, like I, I really like his hands and the hell they go through. Yeah, he like loses that's hands so like funny. a Skywalker. Like he just loses them all the time. But like the idea that like he was the right fit for this doesn't make any sense. And by the end, they really heap a lot of like reverence on him as a character and really just like this is the dad's story. The legend of a man. Yeah, and it's just like I feel like it really would have worked better with Mia in every way <laughs> because so much of the horror is like 
based around being like a mother and a lot of the plot stuff is like that kind of stuff so i just don't understand the choice of ethan first off and then ethan just being extremely bland and i think mia's voice actress does a really amazing job but it was clear that they just wanted to get her out of the picture they kind of fridged her in the most egregious manner possible to be honest when she dies (laughs) ethan's reaction like he might as well he might as well just gone like Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure they don't like each other. Because in that bit at the start where they're playing house, like, they don't seem to be getting... They're, this, they're kind of snarky really to each other. This really bothered me because it's like they build this beautiful house for this couple and, like, they make it just such an environment and so nice. And then, like, every line of dialogue between them, there's no warmth. There's no relationship mm-hmm. there. And, like, I think it's Insidious 2... That's like a weirdly good movie. No, not Insidious Two. Conjuring Two. Conjuring Two is very good. The one, I, the, the the one that takes place in England. Yeah, I, I really yeah. like that movie. And one of the reasons I like it is because you get a good sense of like um, the the husband and wife, husband and wife, Exorcist. And uh, yeah, they're great. You really want them to be reunited, and it's like this real emotional pull, and you just get zero of that from Ethan and Mia. Like mm-hmm. nothing. Which is really weird because that was kind of in Seven. Like, he felt way more invested in her in Seven. Mm. And it's like him trying to save her in Seven. And in Eight, again, it's just like, well, we'll just murder the shit out of her. And I know, like, obviously I finished the game. I know plot stuff about this. But, like, it doesn't make it any better in my mind. And it's just kind of like, wow, they really wanted to get her out of the way. And I felt that that was a misstep because I thought she would probably be a greater asset than Ethan. Because Ethan's just, he just sucks. Like, he's so boring. Yeah. I've seen people say, like, oh, he, like, he's so bad, he's good. I, I don't think he's even interesting enough to be that. I think it's silly. Like, I think, I don't think he's he's so bad, he's good. I think he's so bad, it makes things silly. And that's funny. And there is, like, a big element of camp to yeah, the game. And that, and, that, and that works when it does work. Um, but when it doesn't, it's kind of like, oh, okay, we wasted a kind of a plot on this guy. Who's the husband of Rocky Horror? Like, you, you know Rocky Horror Picture Show and the couple show up to yeah. the house and mm-hmm. you've got Susan Sarandon's the wife. Yeah. But the husband, like, describe him. He's got glasses. Yeah. Like, no, no, but describe him without physically describing Oh, uh, he, has, he wears a shirt. Yeah, like, like, like Ethan is that. Yeah, yeah. surrounded by this world of fantastical creatures and bombastic energy, mm-hmm. you just have this like gone off piece of toast in the form of a man. And conceptually, that's funny, and sometimes it works, but yeah. most of the time, you're kind of like, eh. It's really funny when they look like the odd one out, but then there's something like they got a weird gimmick, but you don't have a gimmick. I know, and the monsters at the start spend a lot of time being like, oh, it's the hero, Ethan Winters. Wow, Ethan Winters, I, you're so oh, special. I hate it. You are strong. No, he's not. No. Like, I would put Ethan Winters on my list of video game characters whose ass I could kick. Yeah. He's dressed like he's wearing half of James Sutherland's outfit and half of Alan Wake's outfit. Like, he's not even original as, like, a male protagonist in a survival horror game. I love James. <laughs> he's so depressed like, there's just nothing and yeah. just all the like the artwork they put out where his head's in silhouette and like what are they going for i don't know i really hope they stick to their ending you know? oh yeah i really do I, I, I this did, is gonna be a trilogy yeah I, I i did like the last two or three minutes but <sighs> me too yeah. but we're getting so close to the movie verse i was just like hmm <laughs> alice is gonna show up there next. are certain things about 
recent Resident Evil that make me feel like we're getting close to like a kind of Dragon Ball Z Resident <laughs> Evil kind yeah. of thing. Gotta pass the <laughs> legacy on. <sighs> Um, I liked um, just to go back to a few things. I like the Duke. I like that. I like a merchant in these the games. The Duke is great. Mm. I like having that kind of like everything's mad and everyone's out to get you. And there's this kind of he's sound like safe space kind of character who's a bit like dubious. Um, they don't treat him well. I think there's a bit of like a good bit of fat phobia with his character. Like he's kind of othered by his fatness in the same way that the vampires and the werewolves are kind yeah, of thing. Like, like he's obese, but they've given him the like callous elephant hide texture to his callous like belly and his, his some, arms. There's some lines in there about him being like hungry and stuff as well. Like up until that point, I was like, yeah, no, it, it's cool. And then he was like, oh, I'm hungry. And I was like, oh, okay. I really want to know how, because he's in a carriage. You never see the horses drawing that carriage. No. I kind of like that. It's like. two little men. <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 it's other guys working up their debt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a very good businessman. It's like, it's such a weird game. That's, that's what kind of made me fall in love with it a little mm. bit. Like, t- this game doesn't remind me of, like, previous Resident Evil so much as it does, like, something like Gregory's Horror Show. Yeah. You know, like, it's that... It's got really unusual set pieces. Really unusual set pieces, just you developing these very strange relationships with these fucked up monsters. And it really won me over like that. And, like, you know, I've been pretty down on Resident Evil pretty much throughout the life of this podcast. There's something about this game that I really do love. And I think it's flawed. I think it's got problems. But I love thinking about it, you know? Yeah. Like, it's crazy to think that this can exist in this space right now. Like, AAA gaming has sometimes become very, like, we're distilling everything down to its finest point. Or, like, this is a prestige story where we're trying to tell something that's akin to prestige TV or a movie. And it's like, it takes itself seriously. And then there's a game with a big budget that looks absolutely beautiful, that has some of the best artists in the world working on it. And they're just like... Monster Holiday. It feels yeah. like, a, like to me, it, it feels yeah, it's, like it's like Hotel of, Transylvania. It feels like mm. one of those like, really of fucking insane like Italian horror movies made in like the mid eighties. Like yeah. it just has this just super like bombastic, crazy horror feel to it that is so silly, and then once every couple of hours just nails beautifully this one piece of horror. And so like I have so many problems with this game. Like I think I have more problems with this game than you guys. But I I can't help but just kind of love it for how stupid it is. And, like, for me, like, um, I think 7 is a way more cohesive experience in so many ways. But for me, there's something about 8 that just feels unhinged and confident in a way that I really love. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to replaying this game in a few weeks. Or a few oh, I'm months. never replaying yeah. this game. Jesus I, Christ. I, I, I need to replay it, but I'm probably <laughs> going to skip the cutscenes, especially in the latter half. Yeah, I think I'm going to put put on hardcore mode. Uh, I think everyone should take off aim assist from the get-go. The aim assist in this it's game is insane. Mm-hmm. Like, you cannot miss. Baby's first game. But I think that, I think this game, for me, because I've... For me, I think a lot of the boss fights were kind of really weak because they were just cakewalks and that's not what a boss fight should feel like. I liked Propeller Head. Propeller Head, yeah. Yeah, yeah I really liked the tight space and that... But some... that's the only one it worked in. I felt mm. all the other boss fights were really small spaces. Did you, did, did you like the fish boss? 
Yeah. yeah I, 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 I yeah. really enjoyed that one. I like that. I give me good I red that was, a, that was a good that was a fish classic. Boss. Yeah. That was a classic Resident Evil boss. And, I felt and, like and, that and he's got his space. tree phases. Yeah. And he just gets bigger and bigger until he bursts. I, I, I liked all of that. Mm-hmm. But like, I feel like like the stronghold boss, man with axe. There's a lot of men with um, big hammers in this. Yeah. And then Dimitri Sue was just in the, too small a space. The, the man with axe, I used the magnum on him. And apparently I missed a load of stuff because I killed him in his first phase. Because apparently he starts calling out other guys and you yeah. have to deal with him and other enemies. Never got to that. It's, cause, it's not that interesting. Because I just used the Magnum and head... Because yeah. it's five headshots with the Magnum and he's dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like... The boss... Some of the boss fights were good. Like, I really liked the propeller head. The fish fight was pretty good. And, like, the, the Robot Wars battle I loved. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, like... Here's my problem with, like, the Demi, the Demetrius boss fight. Is, I, like, I do like the final, final boss as well. Okay, cool. Um, it's, it's good with Demetrius it's like to me that could literally be any character from any Resident Evil and you could make that their boss fight and it would make sense nothing about it felt specific to her and she's such a unique great piece of horror because that... she starts growing wings and I was like cool she's going to be a vampire bat and I thought there was going to be more of her and less of the dragon yeah. and just she kind of just... looks like Simmons from Resident Evil 6 that boss fight where it's yeah. kind of like a giant body with like a person sticking out of it yeah. there's a like there's another yeah. one of them from five as well like the, mm. the woman yeah. on the boat with the tentacles oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, okay okay so there's a weapon that's in five and six that's comes back in towards the end of this game and i hate that weapon and i wish they'd stop using it yeah you know like i think the fact that i'm disappointed in parts like that is partially due to just how great i think a lot of those concepts are so um I would just love a version of Resident Evil 8 where Demetrius just gets angrier and angrier and that's her only power-up because that would be horrifying. Yep, I agree. Neve, with you specifically, like, you you love Resident Evil. Like, like where does this game rank for you? Oh, it was a fun time and I love what it is, but it doesn't beat, like, two remake for me. It doesn't make beat remake for me. So, like, I'll talk a lot of shit about two remake, but, like... 2 Remake feels like something that... And, like, I don't like the directions they went with it, but every part of that game is so considered. It's so tight. Like, it feels like an automaton. Like, it feels like clockwork, and I find that fascinating about it. And that's, like, the opposite of how 8 feels. Yeah. So so much of 8 feels thrown together. It's in the middle. It it ranks in the middle of the games for me. Like, Do you like it better than 7? I I don't know. A 7 scares me. Like, honest to God, 7 scares the shit out of me. I find that a really scary, scary game. And I love it for that. Um, I'm afraid to go around corners. I scream out loud. It, it is one of those games that really captures that tension. And 8 is like a fucking party. <laughs> like a monster party. So it's like two different moods. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, I really like 7 for what it is. And I like this for what it is. But I it's guess just you gotta, like, kind of got to let it settle. Yeah, it's one of these things where uh, the more I think about it, the more I love the lore, the idea of the lords, and I just wish they had more characterization yeah, because they're so see, good. That's, they really don't uh, stick I, around. I, think I would just love if you built the game specifically around them and their relationships. Yeah. I think that would be incredible. Yeah, the monster council bit at the start is just my favorite, yeah, favorite that bit. That bit's so funny. Kind of like it, in terms of character writing uh, for them, it didn't kind of peek past that yeah but it, it just introduces a bunch of different shapes mm-hmm. and sizes and none of them have anything in common with each other 
but they all but they're all in this situation together because of Mother Miranda. Yeah. And is Mother Miranda good? I've experienced a bit of her and I liked what I saw. Uh, her design is cool. I yeah, love yeah, how yeah. she yeah, looks. Cool. She looks dope. Brian? Yeah. She's a crow user. Um, no, I, I love Mother Miranda. But yeah. I also wish that came into it. She's like a crow thing and there's crows in the village. They should be her spies or something. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's so many parts that aren't being connected, but they should yeah. be. Yeah. I'll say this. Um, I don't know. It probably ranks in the middle for me, but it's one of these games that is an easy recommendation for anyone else to play because they will put this on and they will be like, what the f- Fuck. Do you want a wild eight hours? Mm-hmm. Like this is gonna be it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I I think you would get you get your money's worth from this game. Like, does it always stick the landings? Absolutely not. But like, it is a ride, like from beginning to end. Yeah. I am so curious where this ranks in our game of the year. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I know I fucked myself over with it. I often think about that. Yeah. Yeah, because. I liked it, but the more I think about it, I'm like, what What were you doing? I'm kind of, yeah. I feel like in a way I'm nearly the most positive about it and I'm shocked about that. It's like the You'll more see. I think about plot stuff see, I, I think, and the more I talk about to friends about plot stuff, I'm kind of like, what the fuck? It's, it's a really easy game to make fun of mm-hmm. because it kind of sets itself up to be bullied. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, it, ma- it makes some poor choices, but it's fun. Hot dang is a fun. It has some ideas, you know. <laughs> and oh, yeah. I don't think there's anything like it. No, there's not for good and for bad. Yeah, yeah. and that's, this that's, game that's exists. Why, that's why I feel like when people call it like a homage to four, like I'm just like no, like no, no, not at all. Like there's similarities, like on the surface, but they're so different. There's callbacks, but there's callbacks to all the Resident Evils. Oh yeah, there yeah. is. That's our Resident Evil 8. I think that was a pretty fucking good Resident Evil 8 discussion. I think we talked about it for the better part of an hour, so whoever hasn't played that game and had to skip ahead, welcome back. Yeah, congr- uh, you're here now. Uh, you, you probably heard a tiny bit of Resident Evil talk, and then I said something about a boss battle, and we just immediately had to hardco- hardcore timestamp it. Yeah. And get real get real saucy and spicy. Just and- that fucking post-credits bit where Chris is like, Jill, where are we? And she's like, they call it. Silent Hill. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. Oh, quick time events. On an entirely separate note, I want to talk about baby horror stuff for a second because it's been a consistent theme on this podcast and I worry I have been misrepresented, okay? Well, you have a fear of infants, but maybe you want to be the infant? I, I, no, no, not at all. Um... Are you scared here, of what you are? Here, here's why I think like weird baby monsters are frightening. Okay, I think the idea that something could like tear you apart when it has no idea or concept that it's hurting you or inflicting damage. I think that's there's something really frightening about that. Okay, so you've been really like antagonizing why this fear affects you, and that's what you've come up with. I think so. It's like something unknowingly causing pain to something it else. Do, it, it's just playing. It's, yeah. the, it's completely innocent the fact that it's doing evil. Yeah, because babies have no boundaries. They, they they don't understand the limits of what they do with their hands and they, they break expensive toys or expensive items yeah. that they think are toys. And you Explore are an expensive toy. Yeah. Like, um, there's they put an, things up their nose. There's an animation from Blasphemous and it's I think it's in the trailer, but it's just the baby, just this giant baby grabs you by both arms and just pulls you apart. And there's no like 
anger or malice in it. It's just something that it does. I think that is fucking terrifying. And that is why I keep talking about baby horror on this podcast. I don't want to wear a fucking diaper. I'm not into that. I'm not even close to into that. It's just... But John, how about... Look, I'm just going to pitch it to you. Okay. We put a bonnet on you and we push you around the pram. I don't want that. Why not? Because I have no interest in it. I have nothing to but gain John, from it, Brian. I'll take you to the merry-go-round. I don't want this. I, this, this you're not appealing. Like, nothing about this is appealing. Two shillings for a ride. Why shillings? T- Why is the currency changed? Berries and cream for our little boy. <laughs> Why are you talking in an accent? Would you like a tiffin? Would you like a crumpish? Would you like a toppence? I don't know what any of those are. You're being a bold, naughty boy, and you're going to get coal. Eat your coal. We're a serious video game podcast. This stuff just drags down the tone of it. No, we're not. We're a special interest <laughs> podcast, and our interests... Are special. Special. Special yours, John. You big old baby. <laughs> Is that a section? Can we categorize this podcast as special interest? <laughs> uh, very special. Well, after, after the last like five minutes, yes. Yeah. Uh, this is this is whatever. This is just like people talking and get, getting a haircut, and, and they don't know what to talk about. So <laughs> like, they just they're talking shite. You ever seen like a really scary baby? <laughs> <laughs> I think one time my barber was talking to me about coding because he was like, oh, you work with computers, you know, coding. And I was like, (laughs) you know what? Sure. And I just made up a bunch of stuff about coding. Whenever I go for a haircut, my hairdresser's called Jade and she's really nice. And she's always like, how many followers do you have? I'll be like, this many. And she'll be like, wow. That's every conversation we have. It's funny. Yeah. They, They all know you're a big baby boy now. She likes to hear the stories. She's always asking. She's like, do parents like you? Do they? Moms do, dads don't. My mom doesn't. Oh, fuck, really? But my mom does like... Mamma mia! Such a like... No, we're not supposed to say my surname. Oh, okay, we can censor that out. We can censor that out. Oh, yeah, I don't like bleep that. Mrs. Brian is her name. Mrs. Brian. Yeah. Mrs. Mom. I usually get on really well with older ladies, but Mrs. Brian is just... She barely tolerates me. Yeah, she... There... None of my powers work on her. Neil, if she met you... I don't know what she'd do. Yeah, I don't know. She, maybe she'd... Everyone loves Neve. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure, maybe. Sure. Oh, quick time events. Ah, Neve, you're, you're all right. Thanks. <laughs> Video game news is there. It exists. Um... Yeah, this is a this is a holdover from this podcast from when we were a video game podcast. Uh, you want to talk about or GG I, I, Way of the Dragon Studios? I, I don't know how to pronounce it in Japanese. So, Lost Judgment is the sequel to Judgment and will be released September twenty fourth. Worldwide, first, that's cool. First of all, that is an amazing title. Second of all, I'm probably not going to play this. Will you play it if I tell you that? Lost Judgment and the Judgment series is now going to be the action fighting yeah. franchise. They're, they're of fighting. The, the fighting. fighting in Judgment was bad. They're adding um, styles to Lost Judgment. And he has a counter style because at one point oh, in the game... I really like counter styles. John, John, at one point he has to go undercover in a high school 
and you so can't he beat the kids. and so you can't beat the kids. So you have to exclusively counter them. Oh, because, that's really good. Because that's because, really because good. he has to act in self defense. Oh. And and now and now the skateboard. It's like uh, Deadly Premonition too. The skateboard is there all the time. Yeah, I, I like Judgment. Just didn't do it for me at all. Well, um, I, I think just one more. I, I I think the last few games haven't been your thing. It's been two in a row now. It's been well, two John, in a row. It, it can't be three in a row. <laughs> you know what, Brian? You make a fantastic point. Because it's certainly not going to be four in a row. Because what's happening with the other side of development? You've- Yakuza is transitioning to an RPG series from here on out. Okay, look. It can't, so it can't get sick. any worse. I am so sick of saying this. My problem with Yakuza 7 is not that it transitioned to RPG. I like RPG. I play so many fucking RPGs. Like, two, the two, my two favorite games ever are fucking RPGs, turn-based RPGs. And whenever I talk about Yakuza, people are just like... Oh, you just don't like it because it changed to RPG. No, I don't like it because it changed to a shitty RPG system. That's why I don't like it. If they take that system and make it good, I'll be happy. Well, maybe Yakuza 8 will be that, John. Maybe the feedback. Maybe. Or maybe we're just headed for this whole fucking shit again. I'm pretty sure Nagoshi listens to this. Does he really? Yeah. Nagoshi-san, um... I really liked Yakuza 0 to 6, uh, and I don't want you to take it to heart to anything that I may or may not have said in previous episodes of this podcast. Uh, I think you are a really special person, and your fashion sense is terrific. Um, I personally don't know that I'd ever have the courage to pull off the like, deepest, the deepest Phoenix. To cut, pull up the, the deepest Phoenix. Deep. Yeah, uh, the white. I think it's like a hockey puck. Leggings under the most ripped jeans. I, I just think you look amazing. And uh, he looked real different during the Super Monkey Ball years. Like something happened. Yeah, he, he got knee deep in the world of the Yakuza. <laughs> he became like a dragon. <laughs> I think that was also a thing in the two thousands with certain game devs. They became rock stars or. Thought they were rock stars, so dressed. Oh, no part of Negoshi implies to me that he is pretending or acting like a rock star. That dude just is. You just fucking listen to an interview from that guy. He's a special person. Um, look, I don't know. I'll probably play Lost Judgment. I hope I don't hate it, because I'm really sick of hating Yakuza games, and I love them so much for a long time. So what you want is you want Kiryu and Silent Hill. No, Kiryu's too good and nice to end up in Silent Hill. I uh, he'd fight Pyramid Head. You see, but he would, but that's the problem. I don't want to counter Pyramid Head. What's the other thing? What's, uh, the, what's other the other thing, thing I put this in here because I play this game, so it only matters to me, and Remnant from the Ashes get a, gets a free next-gen upgrade later this week, so it's going to be 4K at 30 frames per second, or 1080p at 60 frames per second on both the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X and S. And so you put in your PS4 disc or your PS4 
uh, app and it upgrades it and up. It automatically upgrades it. It's coming May 13th. I really like Remnant from the Ashes. Uh, Ashes. It's a third person shooter with procedurally generated world maps. So you get different things depending on what world you're in. Um, I think the art direction of that game is fabulous. Really love it. It always changes and gets really interesting. So uh, a free upgrade is a really pleasant surprise. Do you play it single player or online? No, it is my co-op game. I play with Stephanie and we are making our way through and we're in an area where there is now floating skulls. Cool. It's very good. Oh dear, not skulls. Maybe, maybe I'll ask to play a game with Steph. You should. I thought that would anger you more. But actually my, yeah, Steph, if you're listening, I've been thinking like, what is a game that me and Steph would enjoy? Open to suggestions. We've played them all together and we had more fun. <laughs> Uh, then Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is also getting an upgrade during the summer I don't know if it has a date yet I still have my PS4 disc of that game what is Fallen Order? Uh, well it's Order 66 oh it's the Dark Souls Star Wars game yeah that came out in late 2019 oh my god I totally forgot that that existed starring the guy from (laughs) Shameless Redhead Magoo Uh, what's his name uh, it's like Kane, Can, Jan. He's he's cool though, isn't he? Yeah, he's cool. I, he's, I, I like he's that. He's grand. Actor. He's a nice guy. Yeah. In the game, but uh, like he's the least interesting character. I, I found. I, I I yeah. I've heard the bad guys that hunt you down. The the sisters of mm. who's it? See, I, I bought that game at the beginning of lockdown last year, and then I looked at it and I looked at the word Star Wars and I was like, I am so burnt out of Star Wars. <laughs> Why, because, Brian? Because the end of 2019 really left a sour taste on my mouth, and. Um, I still have the game because I just I thought oh maybe at some point I'll play it and maybe this PS5 upgrade is that point uh, but yeah yeah I never finished it I really dropped off it um, but yeah mm. maybe this upgrade will be what I need because like it's kind of like Tomb Raider but doesn't move as well as Tomb Raider yeah but uh, yeah we'll play that again um, Apple and Epic are they're fighting I don't care yeah, uh, loads of fun. interesting reports about how they classify things coming out and just like kind of just like weird insider tidbits that if you go find a Twitter thread or a It's very interesting about to read it, as a consumer. Yeah, it's very interesting to read, but not interesting enough that we're gonna regurgitate it here. Yeah. Emails. I've got some good emails for you guys. Okay. Turns out... Okay. All that shit talking got us some damn good emails. Oh, no. So, being mean worked out. Okay. If you want to send us an email, it is ask, let's fight a boss. John, you want to finish the rest of that word? It's ask, let's fight a boss at ask, let's fight a boss dot com. Dot org. Gasm. (laughs) Brian, <laughs> oh, can't let that slide. Yeah. No, Ask let's fight a boss at gmail.com. All right. Brian, what happens if you send it to let's fight a boss at gmail.com? Uh, it goes to whoever took that email address. Yep. I don't think we have that. No, we don't. And you technically don't need to ask us something. No. But we are able to answer some questions not all of them like but the, the, the most in- story but the most interesting emails we get are the questions oh yeah because we I, can answer them I, I i like i like i like fun hypotheticals yeah so i think i have one or two hypotheticals I've, I've definitely got some kind of relatable stories and i love a good relatable story where you're kind of like oh i have something that happened like that to me 
Um, so this one was interesting. This is from Adam and it's the most drawn character ever. It says, hello, Emerald Drifters. My nice. art friend, <laughs> my art friend complained to me that 70% of fan art he sees is of Chun-Li and Morrigan. Our bubbles are definitely overlap of fighting games, but now that Chun's in Fortnite, even the shooter crowd is making the art. He claims that Chunners, sure, might be the single most popular fan art character that exists currently, other than Sonic the Hedgehog anyways. Do you have any other worthy contenders on who you think this is? Okay, he said it in one, it's Sonic. Sonic has the yeah. most drawings of him ever, but I would wager Batman is up there as Batman one of the well. most drawn yep. characters yep. of all time. For a 3D character, Shrek has a lot of fan art as well. I don't see a lot of Shrek fan art. But see, like, I'm taking into account memes and stuff because, like, if you go down the meme route, like, stuff like Pepe the Frog is drawn and redrawn. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, traced and adapted. And, like, I don't know if that's fan art, but it is, like, the most drawn character ever. Yeah, but those Shrek memes never are redraws of those images. They're usually just a picture, a still from it. That's true. You could say the repurposing it becomes yeah. its own art, but, like, I think if you're talking about specifically fan art, it doesn't, it doesn't fit the bill. No. Yeah. Yeah, I think Sonic... Sonic, it's, absolutely. It's interesting about Chun-Li because I think Chun-Li is my most drawn character ever. But like, there's other, there's a lot of other characters from Street Fighter I like better than Chun-Li, but there's something nice about drawing her. I, I always know. find I draw my second favorite character because it's too much pressure to draw my actual favorite character because I might do them. I'm, like, That's why I never did a Neon Genesis print because I just, it's a, I, it's a lot, that's a lot of feelings to capture in one yeah. image, you know? It's a lot of pressure. But yeah, that is really interesting. Like, yeah, Sonic for sure. I mean, Sans has gigantic amounts of fan art of him. Like, I would, I would say it is possible that Sans surpasses Sonic at this point. No. Oh, I have looked very thoroughly into both those yeah, fandoms. But Sonic just has years on Undertale. So even though the volume of Undertale coming out fast, it's just. Sonic's existed forever. I would search Sonic on DeviantArt and search Sans and see which has more results. Well, see, like, Sonic has more OCs than Sans. I don't know. I don't know about that. You think there's more Sans OCs? Uh, it's, it's hard to say. Like, I mean, at, at some point, how do you quantify Because like Because, like, there are so many name the animals. No, no, you're right. You're right. Son well, like, Sonic, there's more alternate versions of Sans, but there's more Sonic the Hedgehog OCs as in that belong in that universe. Yeah. Okay. How about non-video game cartoon animated characters? Um, I feel like I've seen Adventure Time repurposed a lot because yeah. those characters are so simple. They're very easy to draw. I guess Batman has the history and legacy. Like, I think if, like, if, if I was definitely cooking down the, like, comic book animation like historical animation route it would be batman mm -hmm. just because there's so many like versions of batman in media mm -hmm. yeah totally i really like it when you see fan that, art that, of that, like that, that, that or spider-man but see spider-man's harder to draw because there's more detail like batman is such a simple design that can be drawn you can stylize batman in like yeah, loads in of fun different way, yeah. ways but with like spider-man it is a guy in a skin tight suit at the end of the day so you have to like draw a body well yeah yeah um, I like it when you see like fan art of like a weird live action show. Like I love seeing like Always Sunny fan art. 
Yeah, that's it's always really. I really fun. like Breaking Bad fan art. There's mm-hmm. that, that 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 always kind of comes and goes in waves, but there's really fun interpretations of that show. Yeah, it's always sad that live action doesn't get as much fan art, but it's always such a harder thing to do to try and like stylize a real person's face. Mm. Hmm. I think a lot of the best fan art comes from like really simple looking shows that like. Like, I, I love a lot of the Bojack Horseman fan art. It's like a lot of really incredible stuff. I think there's loads of Sopranos fan art, but a lot of it is caricatures that isn't nice. It's that weird airbrushed, like, you know those lad shops that they have in Ireland where they sell, like, lighters? Yeah. And they would sell <laughs> posters of Al Pacino's Scarface and posters of, like, Polly Walnuts from Sopranos, but it was, like, a caricature of him. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. Yeah. There's two ways to do caricatures where you kind of pick out the facial features and exaggerate them. And you exaggerate them. But there's ones where you exaggerate them to a mean degree. And then there's other ones where you kind of pick out what makes that person them and you exaggerate it a little. I don't know. There's a fine line with caricatures where you get into mean and and where you get into just like funny. I think like it depends if someone's focusing on like the physical aspect or like the kind of personality aspect if that mm-hmm. makes yeah, sense I, I, I think if there's an expression or an emotion or an activity with the rest of their body and not just the face I, I think there's more to it I think if it's just like yeah a really disproportioned stretched out like monstrosity character creator face based on someone originally that's me don't do that what don't is, be a bully don't be a bully okay this one is from Wes dream cabinets and an apology huh okay <laughs> hey LFAB LFAB if you could own any arcade cabinet what would you have also I wrote a weird email once years ago and it haunts me so I wanted to apologize I don't know what email that could be I, che- I think I checked it up but it was actually not that weird we've gotten way weirder Wes don't worry about it uh, yeah. so arcade cabinets <laughs> sometimes I think I've had a lot of people apologize to me over stuff been like I did this thing once and just want to say I'm sorry and either I've never seen it or I've completely forgotten about it because the really bad stuff those are not people capable of apologizing yes um so I thought about this and I thought okay I want to go down the retro route and I want to go down the recent route and so if I was to get a retro arcade cabinet I'd either go with Donkey Kong or Pac-Man I played both of those at our arcade token I love them I'd love to have that in my home. I don't see the physical feasibility of it, but I guess this is a a what-if MTV crib scenario. But yes, I would have those. Otherwise, I would like a Arc System Works uh, multi-machine arcade machine because they have those in Japan and they have like... Persona 4 Ultimax. Yeah, it'll have Persona 4 Ultimax, Blast Blue and Guilty Gear and maybe Blade Strangers as well. It'll have like a bunch of them. I want that. Yeah. Especially the new Guilty Gear, but also the old Guilty Gear. Yeah, that old Guilty Gear still looks real nice. Sorry, Neve. Oh, I was just gonna say, uh, I love light guns, so it would oh, be yeah. a light gun. Time Crisis. Name, either Time Crisis Two, House of the Living Dead, or there's like a Tomb Raider light gun uh, version really? of the reboot game. Yeah, huh. it, it uses the game engine of the 2013 game. Mm-hmm. But mad. like something light gun based would be ideal, oh. or the X Men side scroller. Yes. Oh, oh, that's super fun. As well, I want Luigi's Mansion. That that's a really fun arcade machine. Like, on a pure aesthetics level, I love how the Simpsons arcade machine looks. Um, that game isn't great. It's not a great beat-em-up, but it, it looks amazing. Like, the animation is beautiful. But um, a third strike cabinet, for sure. Like, oh. or And I would, I don't know, I think, yeah, no, I'd also love um, a Capcom vs. SNK2 cabinet. 
and I, I could also really go for like a Virtua Fighter 4 cabinet and maybe like a Tekken 5 cabinet, but yeah. I don't know if I, I don't see myself ever owning an arcade cabinet. No. I think it's just, it's too much upkeep and too much space. Yeah, it's yeah. the space. That was so good. Thanks, Neve. Thank you. <laughs> okay, we got one more. Okay. This is from Arabi, and it's got a question and then a little bonus question. Okay. Well, we'll probably answer the bonus question first because it's something that we get asked sometimes and we should answer. Okay. Okay. Ever almost missed out an incredible show or game? And then bonus question. And then <laughs> this is really funny. So he's named us after different body parts. Okay. Okay. Hello, Bry Hand. Knee, is it knee? Knee. And then this is my favorite one. Vagina. <laughs> <laughs> and look, this guy's full email was his business email and it had like his signature and like his role in the company. <laughs> but I'm just going to use his first name, like Arabi, that's really funny. I don't know what's funny about it. Vagina is a very important organ. Yeah, but fannies are funny. Okay, have you ever been so, so lukewarm on a piece of media that you almost don't <laughs> engage with it? But when you actually do, it's incredible and becomes one of your favorite things. Uh, I feel that has happened to me with a handful of times. One Piece, no game, no life, etc. It's almost scary to think that you could have gone through life without knowing this amazing piece of media. Can you relate? Oh, 100%. This has happened to me a bunch of times, and a lot of the times these turn into, like, my favorite pieces of media ever. And then there's a bonus question. Should we... I just want to answer the bonus question first. Okay. Um, ever thought of making this a weekly podcast? You know what? That's a very good question. Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, like, in some fantasy world, some alternate reality maybe, but the fact is, like, the three of us are three high-ranking professionals, and we have... A lot on our plates, you know? It's hard even with the two weeks to kind of watch stuff that you want to talk about. Yeah, like, I, when I, like, I watch I, a movie I, that sucks, I'm like, well, that's another dud. Like, because yeah. I'm not going to talk about it I here. talked about Big. <laughs> like, come on, dude. But yeah, I this also, close to talking about Premonition, which is trending on Netflix, Brian. Have you seen Premonition? Oh, yeah. I don't know if I guys. Okay, I, I'm, never I'm, mind. I'm, I'm watching that show, Invincible, that new... Oh, I oh, want to watch that. Uh, it, it's the new over-18 superhero show. Yeah. It's all right. Okay. I, I don't really have much to say on it. That's the problem. Actually, Invincible is good, and that's one of those things where, like, I'm not hyped about Invincible, but I, I totally could have given this a pass and never not seen it, but I'm glad I watched it. Okay. But I've Which question to... are we answering? Oh, both of them at the same time. Okay. Yeah, obviously. Um, John, are we doing a podcast every week? Uh, Like... When I think of doing the podcast every week, I get like chest pains because like I don't have huge amounts of free time and trying to fit another podcast in, which means like, you know, another like night of recording. And like, I don't know if we actually talked about it, but I get like podcast hangover from this podcast and not because we drink on the podcast, but because like when you're doing a podcast, like you are on for that, like two hours, two and a half hours. And I'm mm -hmm. always really tired the next day. Like I'm always really tired the next morning socially. Yeah. And I think the lockdown has only made that worse. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it feels like the night after a party and you've done all your talking. It's yeah. because like, especially with lockdown, it's like, I don't spend this much time talking to people like for three hour blocks, you no. know, and then it just happens. And then it's like, okay, time to sleep for yeah, It's It's for this weird vocal whiplash. Yeah. 
And like, it's easier now, thank God, that we have Oni, but like, when, we, when it was me and Neve editing it, it was always like, okay, where's the three hour chunk in the week that I can put aside to edit this? But um, I also think like, I genuinely think one of the strengths of this podcast is the fact that it's bi-weekly because I feel like whenever we record, it does feel like a little bit like special. If, yeah, it feels like an occasion. Yeah, it mm-hmm. feels like an and I think if we move to weekly, we would lose that. And I don't want to lose that because I love, I love how fun and weird this podcast gets. Like you know, we were talking before about um, like finding video game podcasts and how hard it is to kind of find something we want. And I think like Rebecca nailed it when she was like, you, you want to listen to your own podcast, but like by other people. Yeah, exactly. That'd be great. That's what I'm looking for. I have a uh, giant bomb filled sized hole in my life. Now. Okay, oh we'll, my we'll, God. we'll get to giant bomb. We'll get okay. to giant bomb. Yeah, that's we what we're ending on. Yeah, we're going to give them a shout out. Um, yeah, I, I, I think this podcast is special and has survived because of it being bi weekly. And I think, like, if we were ever to do it weekly at that point, it nearly becomes like a kind of professional thing. And, you know, like, the reason we all do this podcast is because we want to. Like, yeah. like, not not to, like, we make, you know, we have a great Patreon, a super supportive one, and we're really grateful, but at the end of the day, the thing that brings us to this table every three weeks is because the three of us really enjoy doing this. And we're looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. I, I look forward to it every week, and I think if it becomes weekly, it becomes... We're looking forward to it every two weeks. Every two weeks. Um, I don't know if we'd look forward to it every week. I can guarantee you there are some weeks I wouldn't, because there's some weeks where, like, it is not good for me to report to record a podcast just like we know what the way works are and like it's the same with both of you as well you know Mm -hmm. and i think the quality would drop as i said it's hard to find stuff that you you're passionate either positively or negatively to talk about like within two week window so if we were doing it weekly we'd end up talking about shit we just do not care about and the podcast would be like an hour long yeah yeah i don't know us we probably would stretch it oh dear but um yeah, I, th- I think like that's the thing. I think it's important to keep in mind. Like, it's not just that you're getting like two podcasts a month. It's like you're getting concentrated versions of us and our interests in two weeks, in, in two times a month. And if it becomes weekly, that concentration gets spread out. And I genuinely think you lose something kind of cool about Let's Fight a Boss if you do that. So there you go. There you go. Now the actual question, which is about. <laughs> having a passing interest on media that turns out to be something really special. I mean, Hunter Hunter literally changed my life. Yeah, because I can remember in college, you knew what it was, and it was there, but it wasn't, like, a priority then. No. But now... It was something I was going to check out at some point. And then I remember even, like, watching the first couple of episodes and being, like, real, yeah, it's a shonen. I can remember watching One Piece when it was a four kid show on Cartoon Network and thinking it was really, really bad. Then giving it another chance after playing Jump Ultimate Stars on the DS back in like 2006 and reading the manga and being like, okay, this is really, really fucking good. But you, Neve? Um, a, a, a color out of space. That's been on my radar for so long, but it kept reminding me of Mandy because it has Nick Cage in it and just like the pink it, yeah, neon it, 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 it's lighting. It's got a very high hue color neon or Nick Cage. It has poster. that vibe and like there's parts of Mandy I like, but overall I'm not a huge fan of that movie. So I kept putting this off because I was just like, ah, it's probably going to be like Mandy and it's so different and I really, really like it. And the more time I spend away from it, the more I like it as a, as a movie. Um, but I think a lot of horror because 
it's very easy to skip over horror because there's a lot of bad horror. But then when you kind of give things a chance, you're just like, huh, I see. Uh, New Suspiria as well. That was great. Yes. Kept skipping over that because I was just like, how can you beat old Suspiria? It really goes for something different. Yeah. And then it was just like, we'll do something completely different. That's how we'll do it. Tilda's going to play everyone. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. It's so amazing. Um, I guess with video games, I don't know. Bloodborne is one where I was not anticipating that game. I just decided to buy it because I was like, well, I should probably play my PS4. I'm not going to tell the Bloodborne story again, but... Yeah, no, but um, I, I, I could have... pissed. I so pissed. pissed. But, like, I could have completely passed on that game. Yeah. It, it's, Red it, Dead, I was ready to trade that in. And then it was... I've spent so many hours in that game. Grew on you. Yeah. The original Nier was something that I kind of... I th- I don't think I asked for Nier. I think you gave it to me. And you were mm-hmm. like, play this. And I was like... Nier, Nier, Nier. And one of my favorite games ever. Same. Uh, people have been asking if we're going to play uh, the new Nier, the remake. I oh, replicants. think I yeah. probably will. Uh, I think I'm going to play it soon. I'm we- going I'm, I'm to watch Rebecca play it. I don't know if I'll play it. We did. We did good. We had a conversation off podcast, Neve, that would have mm. been a good on podcast conversation about just. I find it very hard to get excited about remakes in general. Yeah. Like, I feel like what's fun. What? What? Like it's. The time period a game is made is important to me. And if something's made during the 360, I want to feel that 360 architecture. Um, I want to, you know, see like how they were handling graphics and sound. Like what were the trends at that time, even if they're flawed and imperfect. And like when you take something and you kind of just polish it up and release it again, I'm like, it just feels kind of artificial to me in a way I find really hard to describe. And like, that's why I am beyond unexcited for like you know a resident evil 4 remake like i think that game's amazing in part because of the era it was created and the technology it used you know but that said yeah i'm probably gonna play i will play it by the time the year is out but i i love dad near so much like i really have a profound connection to that to that original experience so i'm just not ready to trade it in for a new experience of that game yeah but like, like I don't know. I will eventually play it, but it it is not very high on my list. I think I actually might play it after eight. Yeah. Like I just have nothing else on the horizon right now. Yeah, actually. You're not gonna get World's Ends Club. What the fuck is that? It's the new Danganronpa game from or from the guy who made Danganronpa. It's called <gasps> the Switch. Dang, when's that out? Uh, end of May. There's a demo out now, on the shop. Okay, I'm gonna check out that demo. Is that your next game, Brian? Uh, yeah. That game is real weird, actually, because it it's on. It came out in Apple Arcade in September last year, but it was an unfinished version of the game. And apparently, the version that's coming out on the Switch is the finished version. Weird. Okay. Apple Arcade's strange. Yeah. Is it as strange as Patreon shoutouts? time people type some unusual things on the internet and we are going to say them but before we say them do you have money hey listen the world is flush with cash right no i can't <laughs> Neof, Neof, how, 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 how about you do a little 
Yeah. Little, little bit we, of mamba. We, we always hog the spotlight on this. Yeah. You go for it. Um, please. Oh, please, Beggy. Okay. Please, Beggy. Um, there's three people that you listen to every second week, and you think they're pretty neat. And if you give them a dollar, they continue to be neater for longer. Each a dollar each. A dollar each. And mm-hmm. Patreon have now do, done a thing where if you don't want to pay a dollar, pay in euro. Whoa. You yeah. can even pay in... Pound? Sterling. <laughs> Scoff. <laughs> you can pay in... I don't know if you can pay in so, yen. But I'd like to see I'd like to see someone try. <laughs> you want to pay in yen? I want, you, I want you to imagine taking out your wallet, giving a little dollar to little Brian, to little Neve, to little John, and the three of them scamper off to the ice cream van and get a one dollar cone each. And John drops his cone halfway and even Brian laugh at him. That's the kind of memory you can create. That, that would yeah. actually happen. That's I can picture it, and it's well, we all have giant heads because we're tiny. Kids are so weird with their big heads. Like, what's yeah, going what's on? What's going there? on? The fuck are they doing? Because they have to grow into them. Your skull is like <laughs> skull size. I know, but they're so fucking weird. You should try to beat the shit out of them. It feels real good. No. <laughs> and you've come on. Uh, Just like deck a kid. Um, Neve, no. there's nothing he can do back. Literally nothing. Just give us money and stop this pizza. <laughs> oh. um, thank you to all our patrons. You're all very generous. It's like when I see the number, we have like 637 patrons now. And I think that's nuts because mm-hmm. I try to imagine 637 people in a room that actually listen to this and find value in this as a, as a piece of media and that they enjoy it and they're willing to pay for it and I think that's really really cool and in a lot of ways it's kind of sad but this is the way the world is it does feel validating in a way that like we're not just screaming out into a void hey as you may or may not have discovered recently sometimes video game podcasts are really important and you only appreciate them when they're not really around anymore that's true okay this one is from Cam and it says what if the tops of camel humps were twist-off lids <laughs> where you could store snacks inside if you got hungry? Yeah, I like that. Do you know what? You, you, you know how there's that thing that camel humps store water? Mm. They don't. They store protein. Fuck all ye. Brian with the real facts. Is it like a, is it like a bio cap or is it like a mechanical cap? It's, a, it's like a bio cap. Yeah. So you'd have to have to like... So you'd really only start, package start goods in there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's wet that, in there. I think that would stress me out. Like and if you imagine... And it's real smelly. I'd be opening my Mars bar real carefully because I don't want the camel gunk to get on it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of gunk. It's like the inside of a kangaroo's pouch. Yeah. Or, or like that bit in Empire Strikes Back when uh, Solo has to cut open the... I think when you find out that there's goo in a kangaroo's pouch, that to me is like a... Oh, the world isn't as simple as I thought it was moment. Like, not everything really makes sense. John, mucus gets everywhere. Yeah, I see. I don't want that. Have you watched, like, a baby, like, kangaroo kind of half-fetus oh, yeah, yeah, climb yeah. its the way Joey. into, like, a, a, a pouch? Because it's crazy looking. No. Marsupials are insane. They only, yeah. like, half just stayed inside the body. Then and they, they continue just climb the out, half And of... then they do the second half in the pouch. Yeah. That's why it's goo. Do you ever hear how kangaroos injure people? Just punching them in the face? It's way worse. They lean back on their tails and gut you. Yeah, because 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 they have like raptor claws on their hind yep. legs, so they have like a barbed, long, hook-shaped nail. Mm. Um, also, kangaroo pouches are facing one way; wombat pouches face the other way because wombats tunnel and bury, so the pouches would fill up with 
Dirt. Dirt. So they have to face towards the butt. That's ah. so smart. Australia really figured itself out. Yeah. Here's an animal fact that you're not going to care about, but maybe you will. But echidnas lay eggs. Didn't know. They do. Also, they're closer to platypuses than they are to hedgehogs. Also, echidnas. Platypuses back are. Feet. I don't think platypuses are real. No, they are. They are. They're John, definitely not. John. Uh, uh, okay. So uh, they're dead. They're 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 like Final Fantasy villains. So. The back feet of echidnas are turned the are turned way. back. Yeah, oh, the, echidnas are just fucking hell creatures. Also, in Australia, there is like a million wild camels because they brought them over. <laughs> I love stories like they that. They brought them over 150 years ago, and they just fucking bred. <laughs> and they went off into in the middle of Australia. It's just a big fucking desert, and they're having the time of their life, chewing away on their protein humps. Shouldn't we do something about those camels? Ah, be grand. <laughs> Good day, mate. Good day. Okay, another Patreon shout-out. This one is from Vexing Ruz. WrestleTalk is born... Uh, oh, no. John. This is this meant to be me talking. WrestleTalk is born of my repressed desire to wear tight clothes and body slam grown men through tables. Let me tell you, Vexing Ruz, there is nothing even mildly repressed about those desires. And this one is from FIFA09. Which is a great name. <laughs> It's so specific. <laughs> That's so good. And it is... Wait, so do I just type something here? Is there a specific format? Uh, yes, there is, FIFA 09. Good luck again in four years. You, you really spent it well. Thank you. Yeah. Um, loot drop. We've scoured the internet for some real fucked up videos. Like, the real, the real edgy shit. The real fucking shit. We got some fucking... Video. You want to fucking, you want to have a bad time with guys, any of these. You books. guys like video essays? <laughs> these are way more fucked up than your average video essays. Niamh, have you got some? I do. Mine is Eurotug4000 and it's her video on the influences of Resident Evil Village. And it is just going through some of the prop design in uh, the village itself. And just talking about the Eastern European um design influences the real life design influences on these props and her personal experience living in eastern europe and just her memories of the place and all these design details and it's just like i don't know i i really like this video because i love capcom's like environmental design work and it just goes to show how much work they have put into this that you can someone with a personal experience of the area can identify things so succinctly and i just thought it was a really great video yeah she's awesome um okay i got one from a channel called alex mccullough and apologies if i'm mispronouncing that um this is called music producer reacts to smell of the game which is the main theme from guilty gear strive um it is a lot more than a reaction video though this is basically this really cool music producer going through the song uh, smell of the game and like breaking down what each part of it is and why it sounds so cool and also then like cutting away and recreating those parts himself and it really gives you like an appreciation for like the like Daisuke's musical ability and um i only wa- i've only watched this video from his channel but i really want to check out more of it because it was so like 
competence and music is something that I know so little about and have so much difficulty explaining how it makes me feel. And this seems like a really great channel for that. He has another one on Bury the Light from DMC5. He has another one um, from, I think it's Near Replicants music. And I think he has one on Atomitz's music, but I, I'm not 100% sure about that. But it seems like a super good channel and I'm really looking forward to watching more of it. Uh, then I have Hazel on YouTube. She does uh, our end credits theme. She has a YouTube channel. She, That's she d- nepotism, Brian. We're going to have to cut this part from the podcast. She's so good. She does everything so well. Yeah, she's fucking, this is a fucking brilliant essay. Yeah. She made a video called Why Did We Like Elf and Lead? I watched it two weeks ago and had a scream of a time. It is amazing. Mm-hmm. And now the video has been buried by the algorithm because it contains footage of Elf and Lead, which, you know, there's no way to not show footage of it. You, you've got to talk about Elf and Lead. you got to show yeah. some stuff. Um, so this video needs eyes on it and it's fantastic. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about like how to get like more eyes on this video because it's such a good video and it's so like it's so fucking from funny. a Western anime perspective, it just nails such a particular cultural time. Yeah, just the early mid two thousands. And like there's it she like intercuts it with these like, you know, her kind of personal story from then and she does it in a way that's so natural and so good. And so, like it's her story, but there's so much relatability in it as well. Yeah, I, it's I, like, I, oh shit, I've been these people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah just it's, a great video. It's awesome. She's great. And that's the loot drop, which brings us into the end section of the Let's Fight a Boss video game podcast. Which, and I feel like before we go, usually we leave on kind of a silly note, but oh man, Giant Bomb had an announcement recently, and it was that Brad Shoemaker, Vinnie Caravella, and Alex Navarro are all leaving the site. Wow. Yeah. Yeah that 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 was that was a big big shock. Yeah. And it's hard to talk about, like, because it feels yeah. weird to I, I, say I what a I, video I game it. podcast means to you. I've been listening for, I think, nearly nine years after John recommended them to me. And I have a special love specifically for the East Coast, like, crew, the Giant Beast cast. And, like, it, it's just, like, Giant Bomber part of my weekly, daily like rituals and to not have these people who've been there for 10 years and not just hear their opinions, hear their banter, just hear them nearly on a daily, on the daily is just like, it's going to be so weird. Like it hasn't, the Friday hasn't hit yet that it's there will be, be no, rough. and it's yeah. going yeah, to be rough. <laughs> they both did really great last episodes. Yeah. Wednesday yeah. and Friday's last episodes. I, I, I don't, I, I kind of, only listen to it occasionally now, but I listened to those two last episodes. They were great, especially Beastcast. Yeah, oh, they really, they, they really mm-hmm. did it uh, a good send off. Yeah, because um. <laughs> I guess that one is proper ending. Like Jeff is yeah. still Bombcast is still going. They had their their first one without Brad today, and Jeff was like being the host, and it was it was it was a weird experience. But like Giant Bomb is going through growing pains because of this. Of yeah, course. and like you know Jeff Bacalar is like coming much more on board with Giant Bomb, and like you know I'd have a lot of faith in him and Jeff to build something cool, but like Giant Bomb as it was was something really fantastic for a really really long time, and like here's what I'd say about Giant Bomb, right? It's like it was like for myself and for so many people just this completely 
unambiguously good part of life. You know, it's like, it was funny. It was interesting. It was insightful. You knew the people working on it weren't like shitbags. They weren't like, they, they didn't look at everything from the perspective of, you know, gross gamers. Like they tried to understand different points of view and they were like, create a very kind of welcoming opening community and all that kind of stuff. And they also weren't chills. And like, this is yes. the thing that really pit... Like, I don't want to get negative. That really was the point of Giant Bomb and Inception. So often I hear people being like, oh, you know, they're just so cynical and tired now. And it's like, they're not cynical. They just don't like everything. And like, you know, me and you, Neve, have both recently been trying to find more video game podcasts. And like, just, I feel like the thing that separates Giant Bomb from so much is they just, if they don't like something, they're not going to sugarcoat it. And I like to think that's how we are on this podcast as well. And they focus on the stuff they enjoy and... They don't get too navel gazy with like deeper thoughts. They'll 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 talk about something to the appropriate amount. Yeah. Which I appreciate. Yeah, totally. I think when you listen to something like Giant Bomb, you just feel like it's always going to be there and it's always going to last forever. And that's that's never true of anything. And it's not true for Super Eye Patch Wolf, and it's not true for Let's Fight a Boss. And this Really made me appreciate that. And I think it's just, you know, it's important to appreciate the reliable stuff in your life while it's, while it's there. Because it's never going to last forever. But goddamn, I'm happy it did. Yeah. Oh, God. Like, I was so just shocked when I found out that the guy... It's, it's actually kind of a funny story. Um, I, I, I see a therapist on occasion. And I've been seeing one recently. Because, you know, lockdown, a bunch of shit just sucks. But um, I've been doing a lot better and I was like having my last session with her and I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to finish up for a while. I think, you know, things are just feeling stable. Things are feeling good. And I, got, <laughs> I ended the session and turned on my phone and immediately get a message from me being like, what's happening with Giant Bomb? Because oh. Jeff's a very busy guy at the moment. He's, he's, he, he announced that, you know, he's going to have another kid. He's getting vaccinated. So there was all this like yeah, Jeff news. Yeah, and he was like, was oh, so oh, much shit. Also, by the way, my coworkers are all resigning. Yeah, and um, it must be really hard being an adult. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Imagine, I, I, it, it's, it, it must be tough in Giant Bomb right now. I, I, I couldn't imagine for sure. Even just like you, you sent me to Jeff's garage stream, Neve, and yeah, he sounded so broken up. And like, there, yeah. if people have listened to the last episode of the Bombcast and last episode of the Beastcast, um, their last Friday stream was a real heartbreaker as well. Every time Vinny cried, I started crying. Oh, and it feels so weird to say it because, like, they're people I've never met. And they're just, like, not only are they strangers, they're Americans. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I care so much about these people that I've never, ever met. And uh, they're just, just really cute people. They're just really sincere and nice. And just, like, hearing them getting, like, broken up about, like, like not just, like, you know, it's their job. But it's not just their job they're leaving. They're leaving, like they're friends and they're just leaving something they've built from scratch and it's just yeah. like oh my god it broke my heart same and like i just have this weird feeling where i just really want those guys to be okay and like i get you because like you know you don't want to get too much into the like parasocial relationship mm. of it all like completely but at the same time i was thinking about it i have never for the last 10 years i have never missed a single episode of giant bomb yeah every single week I have listened to Giant Bomb talk more than I have listened to friends I have talk. Many more. 
you know? Yeah. Like, I think outside of my friends and family, the voices I've heard most in my life are their voices. Yeah. And on a creative level, like, I learned so much from Giant Bomb. Like, Giant Bomb was the reason that I wanted to start podcasting. And, like, in a very direct way, I think it was, like, Giant Bomb that led to this podcast. Oh, for sure. And, like, informed so much about what we do like everything from game of the year to just the kind of stuff we talk about you know and just like structuring it where you've got to have you got to talk about the human world and human life and recalling funny stories before you can get into the product yeah like even again before the podcast like we were saying like i was listening to a new video game podcast there and they just started straight away talking about what video games they were playing and I got a shock. I was like, whoa, whoa, I, I, I need some background here. Who, what, what are you guys, what do you guys do over the week? You know, and it's, yeah, it's, it's just fucking crazy thinking that kind of giant bomb has, you know, it's a new era for them. And that is, you know, it's exciting for them in some ways, but God damn it, I am going to miss those guys so much. And I'm just so thankful that. They did it for as long as they did, and it was as good as it was. And I feel like us and just honestly anyone talking about video games on the internet, whether it's Let's Plays, whether it's Twitch streams, whether it's podcasts, owes those guys such a debt of gratitude. And yeah, they're never going to hear this, but like, I just want to thank them because they have been such a huge part of my life and I am heartbroken without them, but I am so happy that they did what they did. And I really just wish each one of them the best best possible future because they're fantastic people and they deserve it they were all very good at the internet yeah so good yeah especially jeff oh yeah he's just an internet mage like he he knows what's the next big thing yep before it's big it's crazy yeah it's interesting hearing like the stories dan was kind of telling about him because he was saying like when twitch streams started blowing up and games kind of media started being like oh, you know, these Twitch streams are these YouTubers and, like, they're not informed or they don't have training, whatever. Jeff was like, this is exactly how people talked about websites. Print print media started talking about websites back then and, like, he just has incredible foresight and stuff. But, yeah, I'll miss them all. I'll miss, I'll miss like, Alex's just, like, morose, depressed humor. I'll <laughs> miss Brad's just bone-dry jokes. And I'll, I'll just, I'll miss Vinny's just incredible human being, like... Yeah. yeah, for real. Vinny's just dad aura was just so lovely. And I love how clear the mentorship between him and Abby was. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm going to really miss them. And on my on a lookout for a new video game podcast. And sadly, I cannot listen to our own because uh, we've already had this conversation. The podcast has to be cute, though. Yeah. Yeah. There's just be. like... There's very little. There is there's, Sometimes there's not even a token girl. <laughs> I mean, it's the least they could do. At least, just the least. One little lesbian, just like a, just a smudge of lesbian. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but uh, yeah. Let her do her thing. <laughs> I guess that's that's the note we'll end on. Just thank you, Giant Bomb. And, you know, thank Giant you for Bomb everything, guys. is forever. Giant Bomb is forever. Giant Bomb is forever.